Y'all know me. Know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. It's bad fish. Not like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tommy cards. This shark, swallow you whole. Shaking, tenderizing, down you go. And we gotta do it quick. That'll bring back the tourists. That'll put all your businesses on a paying basis. But it's not gonna be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. I'll find him for three. But I'll catch him and kill him for ten. And you gotta make up your minds. You wanna stay alive and ante up? You wanna play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole goddamn thing. Thank you very much, Mr. Quint. We'll, uh, we'll take it under advisement. Welcome back to episode 135 of Gundam at MAHQ. Hopefully, this is this will be recorded. And, <laughs> and joining me always is the professional sound technician that he is, Solbro Ryu. Hey, what's and, what? <laughs> uh, is everything level? Is everything recording? Yeah, I'm hoping so. I've seen all the. We have a all, pulse. I see our voices are going up and down in the spectrometer and uh, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it seems to be recording. My fingers are crossed. This will go through. If people are listening, amen to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see, but it's, everything seems to be okay so far. And um, joining us again is the pilot of the Grumpy RX seventy eight two, Chris. I just want to say, Google Hangouts, we love you. Please treat us kindly, better than Skype did. I certainly oh. hope so. This marks is the first. A, is that is that just a dig at Microsoft? You're kicking them while they're, while they're even lower. I, yeah. I don't even really care about Microsoft. It's just more Skype specifically. Yeah, yeah it's just a updating to improve your experience with useless updates. Yay! Every damn time. More and, ad spam. <laughs> and burning up your resources on your computer too. It is. Do you want to install the Bing toolbar? Do you? Do you? Do you want to use Bing? Do you want to use Bing? Do you? Do you? You want to use Bing? 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 You like Bing? 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 <laughs> Sounds, right, sounds, right, sounds guys? like a pinball machine. <laughs> it, that's pretty much what happens every time I open Skype. It's like, hey, let's give you some update that doesn't even make anything better. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Bing. And by the way, Bing. <laughs> well, let's talk about something a lot more exciting than Bing or Skype. Those are all in the past. So we're going to the future. Oh. And our future exists today with Round Bernie and Vifen reviews. It's going to be an extended, yes, we've checked it with uh, OSHA, uh, the EU, uh, the United Nations. This does qualify as an extended episode. Oh, and we're going to be doing the first... Measured by an atomic clock? Yes, Indeed. it is. Yes, it is. 
We're going to be doing the uh, the series and the OVAs, the first series, the 46-episode series from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And the OVAs, except for the first two, which were compilations, and we'll be doing OVAs three and four, talking about the highlights, the lowlights, Soul Bros Man, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You never know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, guys, oh, I, I already know. I already know. I have some. I have a, a nominee from the live stream. Oh my and god! I, <laughs> and I'm wondering because we haven't. This is we did not speak about this before we began. Mm-hmm. I have my own thought, my personal selection of Soul Bros Man, but really? we will wait. We will wait till a little bit later on. <laughs> it's, called it. it's called a tease. It's called a tease. It's called a tease. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Lens flare, you know, we would we would lens flare it into a cliffhanger thing if, mm-hmm. if this was a video podcast. So, but it's not nice. So, <laughs> but before that, we have some news, some Leo's Neo's listener submitted news. Mm-hmm. But before that, today, what's today? Can you give me the date, Chris Solbro? Today's date? The 18th of November. No. Oh, the 19th of November. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I am behind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Damn. It is November 19th, mm-hmm. and 80 years ago today, mm-hmm. history happened. The man that gave me the motivation to become the journalist I am, Lord Larry King, was born today. Happy birthday, Lord King. 80th birthday. I know probably he's one of Chris's idols, too. Got him into the news business, I'm sure. (laughs) Along with Will Will McAvoy. Sure, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Part of the uh, the Human Defense League. He's going to help report when we're killing those robots. So, Lord King, thank you. And as I say that, I'm going to the Larry King Memorial Studio newsroom right now. You are the king! You are the king! And uh, once again, if this is a video podcast, you you see the the shrine to Lord King next to the tomes, the Ark of the Tomes. (laughs) So... And we're going to be doing some Neos Listener Submitted News articles, and um, you can always post those in the Neos Listener Submitted News articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mechatalk Forum. Mm-hmm. Before we go to our first article, though, I'm probably going to be skipping over a whole bunch, and you guys know previous episode uh, did a lot of the news, and uh, it's all gone away. We're not going to go back to that because a lot of that stuff's old. So uh, thank you for submitting. Unfortunately, uh, Skype kicked us in the butt on that one so um you know we will blame skype so uh all your hate mail to skype not me not soul bro not chris so um and uh as i was just kind of uh skimming the news articles before i I read them because i I do a a quick you know quick skim guys uh let's remember the rules um you know keep the keep the things uh quick quick links little description if it's a uh survey news alert you know how to do it. If it's a robot apocalypse news alert, same thing. So, uh, because those get special attention because our lives are depending on those. So, uh, <laughs> this first one here is coming from, I haven't seen this poster before in the Neo's Listener's Minute News article thread, but this is Zether. Oh. And wow, this, this is probably something that Solbro knows because, uh, he's, um, mind linked with this website. Am Hulu. I? Yeah, Hulu. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it seems that, uh, Hulu just added the anime God Mars as part of its uh, lineup now. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, definitely check that out. So, Solbro, 
uh, I'm, I'm sure you already knew this. Yeah. And I'm sure you've probably already seen it. No, I, 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 didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know God Mars would got added to the lineup. I'm starting to love these yeah. these selections, man, um, that they're putting yeah. up on, uh, on Hulu, man. God Mars is an obscure um selection I, I think it may have a following in foreign countries besides japan but yeah that's 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 really odd oh. that it made it, it, it had movie. a bit of a fandom in america since it was previously seen on the methods network oh yeah <laughs> the methods network, methods network. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well there you go i i'm glad to see that uh it is finally legitimately available for people to watch and uh i hope people go go there and enjoy some classic uh robot action man I, ha- I have this vision of the methods network their their home base being on some like barge sitting out in the atlantic ocean or pacific <laughs> ocean somewhere just with a bunch of uh of uh <laughs> satellite dishes <laughs> well it's this is supposed to be a secret but they're actually based on sea land oh sea, <laughs> okay. sea land <laughs> There you go. So <laughs> the thank co- you. the kooky uh, the kooky duke of Sealand. Nice. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Zether, for your submission. And um, Solbro, we want a whole book report by next episode. Oh, I'm sure. On Guard Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, this next one here comes from Bloody Night. And mm-hmm. Solbro, why didn't you tell us this? What happened? This is a big honor. We didn't. I didn't know that this uh, was happening. Oh, oh. Well, I'm, I'm I'm interested in finding out what, what's going on. Well, uh, Mr. Bloody Knight here has a link from uh, the Anime News Network. And so, when were were you going to tell us that you were the North American representative for the Gunpla Builders World Cup 2013? I was? Well, I mean... I missed my invitation. You've built all all those models, right? Oh, you dick. (laughs) (laughs) No, they were built by his fan club. (laughs) He gave an autographed picture to. Actually, I thought they were built by young Asian boys. (laughs) He he gave them autographed copies of his debut single, oh. <laughs> Young Asian Boys. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> is, 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 is that is is the backing vocals like uh, the the Franciscan friars? Oh, <laughs> uh, possibly. The Vatican Choir. <laughs> the Vatican Choir featuring Jerry Sandusky. Oh, oh my God. Well, it's not too tsunami anymore. It's, it's a... <laughs> okay, are, are we past the statute of limitations on that? I think we are. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, unfortunately, I know everybody was thinking the same thing. It's not Solbro. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a representative called uh, Kevin Yi Zhang uh, from Connecticut. And uh, his legendary mobile suit PWS-2 uh, was what's going to be entered, and it's using the MG Blitz Gundam as the basis of his creation, and it's oh pretty pretty cool. Yeah, check it out. They got a link here. They show the, and they also have another link for some of the uh, runners-up and we- regional winners. So yeah. this is a perfect uh, thing with uh, build fighters going on right now. So yeah, man, that'd be cool if uh if anybody who like wins the whole the whole cup actually gets their uh their model featured in that show that would be pretty cool you know the that sword that this blitz has uh or his legendary mobile suit pws-2 has kind of looks like um the sword that killed uh, nico a little bit a little bit bigger because i know it had the uh the beam blade and stuff on it but uh yeah so there you go cut through a piano that's what i was wondering i i, I just see this and i think of a little speak bubble my piano <laughs> You know, actually, what would be a great model would be a Blitz playing a piano. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> wearing, wearing a bow tie. Wearing a bow tie. 
with a little jar on the end of the at the end of the baby grand there it says tipping's not a not a city in China. <laughs> it's not not only for cows. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Bloody Knight, for your submission, and uh, definitely check this out. Yes. My earlier thing here goes to my next submitter, and I think it's because he's just trying me. And I'm on to you, Robo Lizard 222. Oh. Yeah, he's he's putting up robot apocalypse news here. You son of a bitch. And he's not given the disclaimer of Robo Apocalypse News. Oh shit! Yeah, so he's Robo's re- trying to lure you into traps. Yeah, and, and feel you out. And of course, his first article here is from the BBC, mm-hmm. and it's about a robot winning a rock paper scissors challenge between a, yeah a robot developed by Japanese students or scientists is so fast that it can win the rock paper scissors game against a human every single time. The Jenkin robot named after the game's Japanese name, is a faster version of one re- un, uh, unveiled by the University of Tokyo researchers in June of 2012. It, uh, the version 2 completes its chosen hand shape almost at the same time as the human hand. It uses high-speed recognition and reaction rather than prediction, effectively cheating. Yeah, well, of course, it's a freaking robot. What's it gonna, what else is it going to do? <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, thank you, um, Mr. Uh, Robo Lizard. 222 for your submission and uh, yes he's got very uh, patronizing or very scary things saying saying one step small step for mecha kind one giant hammer to destroy all so that's uh, Mr. Robot Robo Lizard 222 <laughs> and then he follows up with another article here talking about um, some uh, what is this uh, sorry here uh, some ice cream that's made out of jellyfish protein, and it kind of it kind of glows. Kind of sounds disgusting, but Mr. Robo Lizard uh, says it reminds him of all the genetic engineering and such in Gargantia. Mm-hmm. He says, "Keep it up. Sooner or later, they might design those cool mecha suits when squid people attack. <laughs> then they can have super smart AI that we can enjoy. Yes, enjoy. See, it all comes back to AI killing people. There you go. The 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 the, the fundamentals." <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Mr. Robo Lizard two two two. I say you ban him, Chris. This guy is just—he's scary. How do I know that he's not a botnet and that he'll like take over MechaTalk if I do ban him? Oh shit! Oh, you might. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, if you if you want to come to the human side, you need to start proclaiming your um your loyalty now instead of being the robo collaborator that you choose to be. And besides, since I'm a collaborator, I should be helping him. So. <laughs> that is kind of true. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Robo Lizard 222 for your scary post, and I'm sure they'll keep coming. Next one here comes from Wielder, and hey, did you, uh, you you've heard of Shoji Kalamori, right? Never heard of him, no. man. Never watched his shows. <laughs> Well, uh, he's got this uh, multi-dimensional project going on, and it's going to be called one of the... um, Multi-dimensional? What other dimensions does this include? Yeah, it's part of his full multi-dimensional project, and it's called... uh, His newest entry is going to be called Nobunaga the Fool. And, uh, yeah, so Did someone tell Fringe Division about this? I don't know. Fringe Division? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Somebody get Leonard Nimoy in the horn. (laughs) 
Yeah, it says it says here the full project hosts three stage productions between this December and next summer, starting with Nobunaga the Fool play on December the eighth. So these are going to be, I guess these are going to be plays. And oh wow, that's pretty cool. So um, yeah, there's going to be it's a stage play. And oh wow, the story is this: the Western planet, the Eastern planet. Once upon a time, the two sides were bound by the dragon pulse spanning the heavens. Oh God! Uh, the civilization that once prospered has now turned to a tale of dreams as extinguishable flames of war tear the realm asunder. The two planets remain engulfed in endless battles. The return of the super technology known as sacred treasures could revolutionize the world order, but no one knows of them but one person, a heretical girl, a girl from the Western planet. Genie Category de Arc says, Heavenly visions of the birth planet of the star Messiah will save the world. Oh, boy. Um, she embarks on a journey to the eastern planet with Leonardo da Vinci, the what? one who observes the world. Okay. <laughs> and they come across the heretic of the eastern planet and the greatest fool of the day, Oda Nobunaga. So we're, like wow. crossing, we're crossing over all these historical figures in, yeah. in, in this crazy Just, mismatch. Uh, of, is, uh, is this Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Nice. I mean, that would have been better because, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> oh man, it's so great! <laughs> Somebody call Alex Winters. <laughs> Somebody yes. call George Carlin's coffin. Oh, oh zombie George oh, Carlin! Zombie George Carlin! <laughs> Thank you, Mister Wheeler, for your submission. Oh, the next one here, and Rodimus seventy six just gives us a link here, and I haven't seen this because I could really give ten shits about this movie. Uh, there's a new RoboCop trailer, Solbro. I know you're excited. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's very good. Um, I, and it, it's got me pretty hyped for the movie. I'll be honest with you. It's the best trailer for the movie yet. I will agree because the first trailer did not excite me, mm-hmm. but uh, this next trailer did. And it actually sold the reason um, for why this movie should exist. Mm-hmm. Plus, Neo, mm. it, it uh, should inspire some fear in you. It should. Because oh. it talks about robophobia. Yeah. Samuel Jackson Robo. asked the question. He asked, Why? Is America so robophobic? Samuel L. Jackson's in this movie? I didn't yes, realize. Yes. yes, he is. And I got to say, seeing Samuel L. Jackson and Michael Keaton in the trailer, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. So I could look at it this way. Nick Fury and Batman decide that we need RoboCop to fight crime. Oh, I'm yeah. sold. It's a Jackie Brown reunion. <laughs> that too. But I was thinking more Nick Fury and Batman Nick first. Nick Fury and Batman. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, if, if anything, it's... Uh, those jokers in the same film, man, along with uh, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> well, they got to, uh, uh, Mr. Rodimus 76's link here. It it's, goes to Geek Tyrant. Now, I'm not looking at the, um, the trailer, but I'm looking at some of the stills that they have here. Mm-hmm. It does look kind of cool, and I see that there are robots that need to be killed. And oh, yeah. I love Samuel L. Jackson's Pompadour. Uh- <laughs> I like that. <laughs> He's got kind of that Billy D. Williams hair. <laughs> he does. He does, man. He, 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 he look a mad regal, man. He look a mad preacherish in that trailer, man. He looks, he looks awesome, and he delivers his, uh, his speech about Americans getting, uh, robots to, um, to, to, uh, to, um, to be cops in the, in the United States. I, I guess basically America is the only country right now is the only country that does not allow, allow, um, robots to be police officers. So, um, they're trying to, OCP trying to find a way, a workaround for that. And that's, uh, um, using Alex Murphy is as it in, a kind is of a it in Detroit? Yep, it's in De- it's in Detroit. <laughs> is the Taurus in it? <laughs> there's no such thing as a Taurus anymore. <laughs> no, there's still Tauruses. 
just old ones. But the uh, no, the, no, there's still. I think they still make the Taurus. Did it really? So, so yeah, well, whatever. I'm not sure if that's yeah. either way. I, no, there's no Taurus. There's a motorcycle. <sighs> they just need to bring okay. back the SUX 5000. That's all I know. That's all I Which, know. I gotta say, so I don't know about you, but watching this trailer mm-hmm. and watching on that motorcycle, I was thinking to myself, man, you'd know be even cooler than having Robocop on this motorcycle mm-hmm. if the motorcycle was a Mospita. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because cool. if Holy anyone shit. deserves a transforming a motorcycle Robocop. to become power armor, it's mm-hmm. freaking Robocop. It, yeah, it kind of does. does. Wow. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, um, Omar is in this movie too, man. Omar yeah. from the Wires. Oh yeah, man, he plays he plays the new Lewis, man. You know, Lewis was yep. a girl. In the first yeah. Robocop, well, now it's a, a big, burly black now man. That's Omar. It's Omar, man. <laughs> Robocop coming, yo. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Oh, wow. I'm watching this. Uh, I'm not listening to it, but I'm mm-hmm. watching the trailer right now. I see they got Samuel L. doing the uh, George C. Scott Patton thing in front oh, yeah. of the flag. Hell yeah. Oh, wow. Look, there's robots. They're in Afghanistan or one of those countries. Oh, mm-hmm. geez. Man. Now, I will say, uh, as I have said before, if you're not sold on this movie, watch uh, the director, Jose Padilla, his previous movie. It's available on Netflix instant streaming called Elite Squad, Enemy Within. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, police corruption and a war on crime in Brazil. Yes, so right. pretty oh. close to the concept of what RoboCop is. And it's a great movie anyway, so... Check it out on Netflix Instant Streaming, Elite Squad, Emmy Within. Okay. Well, I'll have to check this out then. I, at first, I wasn't too excited about this, but, um, you know, hey. Um, but thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for that. <laughs> Next one here comes from, oh, my God, he's back, RoboLizard222. Oh, shit. Yes. And once again, would you please – I don't know I don't know what you're doing, RoboLizard, but there are some standards here. <laughs> You need to put Robo Apocalypse news alert. Soul Bro, hit the music. Here we go. And this is coming from GundamKidsCollection.com. There was a remote-controlled Gundam and Akai robots that fought. Oh wow! And he's got a he's got a little. Uh, there's a link here, and it says yes, a robotic version, ro- robotic remote-controlled version of the Gundam and Akai were fighting on a stage. So mm-hmm. who won? Chat. Um, I don't know. Let me see who says. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's move on. It, 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 it didn't say. <laughs> I, I guess that's the tease for you to watch the, the YouTube video. So you thank go. you again, Mr. Robo Lizard 222 for your robot apocalypse submissions there. Oh, oh my God. Solbro, hit the alert button. Oh, yes. Michael Bay. Yes. Oh, hit the here alert. We, here we go. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh, my God. That's bullshit. What the f- and this is coming from Mr. Silver August, and this is the link to Sabertron.com. Oh my God, this is just going to be. Oh, this. I just read this, and it, I read the title, and it sounds amazing mm-hmm. already. And this is from, of course, Surbay's classic Transformers 4: Age of <laughs> Childhood Extinctions, the Age of Extinction of All Childhoods. Mm-hmm. There is a spoilerish type of thing, and uh, there there is a little there is a little thing. There's a picture here where there's a gridlock, or Optimus is writing gridlock. Grid, grid, Grimlock. What the hell is his name? Gr- Grimlock. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's too many things on this page. And uh, it says here, remember those early rumors that were circulating around the internet about Transformers 4, the ones that mentioned the Autobots writing 
into battle on Dinobots, they were dismissed by many, but it appears they may be on spot. And uh, it looks like uh, some guy took a picture at a recent trade show showing the new Optimus Prime writing who would assume to be Grimlock in the T-Rex mode. Rich, if that's the freaking case, this movie already is going to be amazing. If I can see robotic dinosaurs being ridden by robot uh, by Transformers, that's freaking amazing. Come on. Well, but we, we already saw that in uh, Predacons Rising. Yeah, but oh, there was... Yeah. Yeah, but there were zombies. They weren't like, you know. There were zom- zombie dinosaur dragon things being ridden yeah. by Unicron Megatron. Tron. Yeah, but this, wouldn't you like to see the opposite thing where the heroic dinobots are ridden by uh, Optimus Prime and they battle? Be cool. Is that yeah, op- that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, there you go. So thank you, Mr. Silver August, for your submission. And of course, as we know, next summer marks Transformers 4, the age of all childhood, the extinction of all childhoods <laughs> next year. So, uh, Sir Bay's classic. Get ready. Pre order now. Pre order your tickets now. Nice. Next one here comes from the Hod. And, and uh, the Hod, I know you're trying to be uh, cool here, but it's not working. It's not robot APOC news, it's robot apocalypse news. Do the format correctly. And this is even scarier. <laughs> And this is coming from Discovery.com, and this is awful. It says here that the title, it, this just should send, send shivers down every human's spine. P could power future robots. Nice. P could power future robots, yes. It says that there's, um, there's a device that mimics the squeezing action of the human heart, been used to pump urine into a uh, microbole uh, fuel cell, which could power robots that convert waste into electricity. Great. So that, that's just what we need. Because when the robots are killing us and they need some power, they're just going to go down to the local pub and have a few guys piss on them. <laughs> so, <laughs> but wait, so is this how are they going to put us into pee pods and then put us in the matrix? I think so, pretty much. <laughs> well, the, we were we were batteries for the robots, so th- this makes sense. This is it. Yes, uh, the you, you can thank uh, study researcher Peter Walters. He's an industrial designer at the University of West of England. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that West of England. And it says that him and some of his colleagues at the University of Bristol created four generations of these small eco-bots. Oh, yes, give them great names. So now all the, the eco-mentalists will love these things. Oh, they're, e- they're ecologically sound robots. Are they, are they Autobots? No, they're eco-bots. E-C-O-bots. I don't know. They might be an option. Shoot at the Autobots. They might be. I mean, you got aerial bots and stuff, so why not have Ecobots? They've also had uh, previous versions of these robots. This kind of sounds like the Back to Future DeLorean. They run off rotten, that it ran off rotten produce, dead flies, wastewater, and sludge. Yeah, so good old Mr. Fusion. <laughs> Mr. Fusion. Great <laughs> Scott. I will say this for the record uh, robots, just like Joey Pants, I, I choose the Matrix. There you go. <laughs> You don't you don't like eating your gruel every morning? <laughs> and going to no, your sweaty raves at night? <laughs> no, I'll I'll take a fake steak and the uh, the blonde in the red dress. There yeah. you go. Oh now, my you, now you're God. talking conform. Yeah, it, it, see this this just uh oh yeah. It, all, all you guys out there that know about the robot apocalypse or are scared of it, read this article because it's going to scare the living crap out of you. This is not good. Thank you, Mr. The Hod, for your submission. Next one here comes from uh, Fio Master and his submission here. Ooh, this comes from Marvel.com. Oh, and I know this isn't um, too much with Mecca, but we like Marvel and some of us really like Netflix. And it says here that Disney's Marvel and Netflix joined forces to develop a historical four-series epic plus a mini-series event. 
So, uh, do you guys know anything about this? Yeah, I heard about it recently. They're um they're adapting a four series that are going to take place in Hell's Kitchen, New York, and um they're going to I guess doing thirteen episodes per character that wow. each series is based on. Uh, one of them is Daredevil, another one's Luke Cage, the third another one is Iron Fist, and the uh, last one not in that order, but the last one is Jessica Jones. And mm-hmm. then after they finish running their r- respective series, they're going to have them all join up in a, in that mini series you mentioned, and it's going to team up team them up as the Defenders. So um. And uh, I don't know if it's going to have any kind of uh, tie into the cinematic universe. Chris, do you know anything about that? Or is it too soon to know? Probably. It might be too soon to know. Yeah. Uh, or if it even if if it's even going to tie into Agents of Shield. But um, it I I just know that um, it they just struck the deal, and I guess we'll see what happens in the future. But yeah, it, it sounds pretty exciting, and I love Netflix's format. They they put a show out there; it's there for you to watch in its entirety, and. Um, you can knock it out in a couple in a day or so, or you can you can knock it out over the course of uh, a few days or, or even longer if you if you so choose to. So um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing these series drop and then checking them out. It, it should be a whole lot of fun. Chris, anything on this? Listen to Chaos Theater episode 60. Ah, here we go. All right. See, I knew, I knew it. I I smelled cross marketing. Nice cross promotion. Let's tie in. There you go. Oh my god. <laughs> so you guys know where to go. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Mr. Philo Master, for your submission. Oh. The next one here comes from uh, Furious Rodimus, and he knows how to do robot apocalypse news. Oh, yeah. Hit it, Soul Bro. And this is bad. This comes from Gizmodo.com, and it says, Autonomous dump trucks let mines operate around the clock. Yes. Just as the robots are starting to take us over, they're going to need materials to mine to keep their little bodies going. So now we've given them autonomous dump trucks to help keep the mining going 24 hours. Good job, humans. Good jobs. That's all I'm going to say. Now, hold up a second. Autonomous dump trucks or Constructicons? Oh, now you got me scared. Constructicons! Devastator in just a few years. Oh man, are, I'm are they my bags. are they very are they very bright green? <laughs> yes, they are. Devastator. Well, with purple kind, highlights. Well, actually, the the one here is yellow and kind of dirty though. I don't know. We're gonna have to look at this. Yeah, most of these are they're all yellow. So, but maybe they got a paint job. They could be in disguise. <laughs> Robots in disguise. That's a novel idea, Chris. I should I should run with that. <laughs> you ever think about it could, the? It could be a thing. You ever think about maybe launching a toy product line or possibly some kid shows with that <laughs> uh, with that concept? You can make that only, only if they had heart and soul. Oh, it all goes back to heart and soul. Well, thank you, Mister Furious Rodimus, for your submission. Oh God. <laughs> Arbiter Gundam here with uh, I guess I guess he needs some money because it's coming to Christmas time. He's got a a link to some stuff that's going on at Macross World. And thank you for giving me the short version because this is what I want. I guess there's going to be some Macross events in Shizuka and uh, Hiroshima. There's going to be an Ichiban Kui campaign with lots of prizes. Ooh, a Ooh. celebration of Cheryl's birthday on November 23rd. I'm going to have to mark what? my calendar. Um, uh, too bad we can't have uh, Ronka's death on November 19th. Damn! Of this year. <laughs> uh, the Hausagawa's VF25F slash S kit going on sale. Ooh, Cheryl jewelry. Ooh, get that for your mom or uh, loved one. Those are uh, Significant other. Yeah, there you go. And uh, well, you might get the you might get the the those um, what were they again the Peruda wait 
It's all it's all coming together now. I don't know. And of course, the Macross Frontier Remastered Blu-ray box set will be on sale soon too. So thank you, uh, Mr. Arbiter Gundam. Hopefully, I read that properly so you can get your full paycheck. But um, other than that, ooh, this is robot apocalypse news that I like to hear. Why? Is America so robophobic? This comes from Kasher Nova. Oh. And it says here mm-hmm. that the first robot suicide as a Roomba hurls itself on a hot stove. In other words, <laughs> if they could choose to end their lives, they choose to end ours. Well, that is true. But I like it that maybe this Roomba had a, a crisis and was like, you know what? Maybe the maybe Skynet's telling me that I need to suck off my master's uh, skin off his feet mm-hmm. so we can... So the other robots can come in and kill him. I'm not going to do this because he's been good to me. So I'm just going to go on top of the stove and kill myself. Thank Damn. you, Roomba. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Roomba. And uh, thank you, Kashranova, for your submission. Oh, I forgot one here. Oh, my God. I'm doing this in the spirit of my hero, Lord King. It's, of course, his birthday. Uh, so, of course, I'd do something out of order and miss it as I was doing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is coming from the Daily Mail from the old UK. And this is submitted by Haro Meister. I have a question for you guys. Would you have sex with a robot? Man, if they look as good as in... Um, yeah, it's a yes or no question. If they looked as good as in Monday's episode of uh, Almost Human, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. Well, it says here, Japanese designers create virtual reality experience that lets men get intimate with manga characters. Oh. Oh, wow. Only in serious? Japan. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's a sex simulator provides a fully immersive 3D experience that was created in Japan. I read an article not too long ago that I guess there was a study done. Uh, nobody in Japan's having sex. Oh yeah, is, is this is this the reason why? Is because they're hung up on virtual reality sex with um, you know uh, manga characters and stuff. Is this what is this if what it's I may, down to? If I may digress here, um, mm-hmm. all of this Western hysteria about Japanese people not having sex is just completely exaggerated, and it's basically a bunch of BS and. Um, you're saying the news this cultural lies. supremacy of look at those foreigners, how weird they are. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm not talking about on this aspect, but I'm talking there was some study saying that they're they're not, they're having less or something. I don't know. Yes, I mean the the population is the birth rate is declining, but yes. you know all of these bajillion articles have been coming out over the last few months of oh my god, Japanese people aren't having sex. Completely exaggerated BS. Okay, and it might it might actually well they they be, are they are having sex. They're just yeah. having it with 3D yeah. virtual reality, <laughs> and it might be that you know. A Japan has always been said to be crowded anyway, so and 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 the older generations living longer. We've seen this actually represented in some of the stuff we've watched. So you know, I, I don't know. I mean, granted, there are people who are hung up on virtual. All right, all right. I'm talking about shit yeah, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah. I guess. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. When you say stuff you watch, you mean Rujin Z, don't you? Uh, or or uh, or a standalone. Well, complex, no, I'm, I'm uh, reading this. Solid state I'm reading society. this article. <laughs> I, want, I want to go. I want to go back to this. Right, I want to go, go ahead, back go to ahead. this article here. Mm-hmm. Okay, this thing is called Oculus. Rift. It's an early model of a head-worn virtual reality display that increasingly is being used by developers who want to create a new gaming experience. Once One developer known as Resentiment has created a sex robot by combining Oculus Rift with a controller that triggers sensations on the body called the Novent Falcon. The Novent Falcon, a type of grip-based haptic controller, manipulates a Tanga. A Tanga is a Japanese device designed for self-pleasure which holds the user's penis. Oh my god. So this is like wow, this is masturbation. Wow, have we progressed this far where we just don't have to do anything for masturbation? Something else just does it for us? 
Oh, wow. And then it says here, the user wears the Oculus Rift, which displays a manga character performing sexual acts. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This is fascinating. That's crazy. Says, Early prototypes of Oculus Rift can be bought now, and but the finished version should be available next time, next year. Wow. Can you imagine these guys? How, how would you do this? Could you have a whole thing with this thing, this Oculus Rift, plus those cool Japanese toilets? You probably never have to leave the house, right? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the thing? I mean, you would be found 20 years later just a rotting corpse. <laughs> pretty much. In this like toilet sex contraption. Nice. Wow. That is just, it's, that is a fascinating thing. Okay. Well, thank you, Mr. Haromeister, for your submission. And the last one here comes from Saber. Oh. And he, I guess the um, the Japanese Amazon has said the final episode of Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn is currently scheduled for June 6, 2014. And I think we said that before, but I just wanted to say it again because... Uh, well, there was no date before other than 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So there you go. June 6, um, 2014. So get your uh, pre-orders ready. I'll believe it and, when I see it. <laughs> and it says it's apparently going to have a run time. And, of course, this is not completely confirmed. I'm sure it's just Amazon guessing or some of the stuff, you know, some of the misinformation that uh, Bandai or Sunrise has probably given them. A runtime of 180 minutes. There's also something called Episode EX on the second disc of the volume. Uh, even the Blu-ray has two discs. Uh, maybe it's just a total runtime of both. I don't know. So it very likely is because it can't be that long. And also yeah. the runtimes for Unicorn they usually factor in the extras into that. So yeah. at the very least, it's going to be a lot longer than an average episode, but not that long. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. So we have a date. We have approximate time of everything that you'll get. It's more Gundam than... Gundam dies on June 6, 2014. Oh, my God. Gundam died. Oh, wow. And I think that's the same month that Transformers 4 comes out. So lots of childhoods are going to die on that month. There you go, man. man. It's going to be a bath. It'll be a bloodbath 2014. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Saber, for your submission. Thank you, uh, Chris, for that extra information. Thank you, Solbro, for sitting there and listening. Indeed. And if you ever have any news articles that you'd like to submit, uh, always go to the Neos listener, submit a news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And now to bring the show down a little bit, we're going to go over to the old Hopers and Dreamers corner with Solbro. Go on, Solbro, and, you know, kill the vibe. Well, thank you, Neo, for the for the great <laughs> handoff. I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> welcome to the Hopers and Dreamers corner. Um, and uh, everybody who was, uh, who submitted today, thank you for your submissions. We uh, tried to do it last episode, and of course, it fell into uh, the Skype black hole. So uh, we're actually going to do the uh, ones that we um, recorded last episode over again, so that way we don't miss any. Um, if you want to submit your oh yeah. <laughs> If you want to submit your hopes and dreams. I, I, I feel like Chris reviewing Gundam Sea Destiny when he had to do it on the show, plus writing the reviews on Mecha Talk. Oh, no. Wow. That was that was a bit torture. Or, or Gundam Age, even. Yeah. But, yeah, if you want to submit your hopes and dreams, head on over to mechatalk.net and click on the Gundam form and go ahead and uh, make sure to submit yours there in the hopes and dreams uh, corner thread. But our, our first hopes and dreams is from... And I just had the... There we go. It is from Jehuti29. And he writes, I'll dream big. We we get actually... Oh God, let me read this because he wrote it kind of weird. I'll dream big. We'll actually get sequels to Imagawa's mech shows. We'll get new giant Robo, Shin Mazinger, 
and G Gundam. The first two especially since they ended on freaking cliffhangers. Um, I can't really argue with the first two, I'll be honest with you. Uh, those two did end on uh, pretty massive cliffhangers, especially Giant Robo, Jesus Christ. But as for G Gundam, I'm quite happy where that ended. And um, I, I don't know if uh, a sequel would add to it. Um, a prequel, though, wouldn't be, wouldn't be too bad. And um, uh, a prequel with uh, old... Uh, Master Asia would be kind of cool talking about how he 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 claimed uh, how he uh, made his uh, rise to uh, to be the uh, the previous Gundam champion. But uh, fellas, yeah, but do we really need to know that? We really don't. I mean, I wouldn't mind having the OVA just to revisit the world. But the I mean, thing about that is, mm-hmm. it'll fall into the standard prequel trap, which is yeah, number one, no matter the outcome, you know he's going to win because he becomes the champion of the twelfth fight and no matter what dangerous situation he's in he's going to live because he can't die that's true that's true so that sort of renders the drama useless which is the problem with so many prequels well maybe more so a prequel that actually explains his disposition more because we understand that uh he sides with the devil gundam in the series but what are the and we know the reasons why in an overview but i like to i like to see the the drama of that unfold and it'd be kind of sometimes things are better left unexplained oh man i.e darth vader the prequels the prequels have 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 burned you for life <laughs> not just that many prequels oh really many prequels which are bad ideas ah uh, well if, if that's the case maybe you are right but um any other thoughts fellas on this no that's I, I'm, I'm down with more giant robo but we don't yeah. need more g gundam just yeah. leave leave it well enough alone because it was good and things that you come back to 20 years later don't turn out so well damn yeah. that's true it, it, it has been some time well jihuti 29 thank you for su- for your submission and next up is pq comics and he writes gundam seed hd remaster blu-ray english release that is all <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll make this one quick go ahead to crush it real fast mm-hmm. why on earth would you want to pay money for an inferior product oh damn <laughs> yeah i, I can't and by inferior i that. mean Mm-hmm. An entire series that has been cropped to make it fake widescreen, and you are missing parts of the picture with lots of cut-off heads. Why would you, why would you pay money any money for that at all? That's disgusting, and I, that's something that people should never ever do. I do hate it's that HD remaster, yeah. Chris. That's why. Oh my god! It's it's the Dragon Ball Z fiasco all over again, which thankfully Funimation has decided we need to go through all over again now on Blu-ray. So good job there, Funimation. <laughs> I mean, I would love for them. I mean, if you got to force that. HD HD, um, Blu-ray, um, reformatting, then give me the original four by three format too. Um, you know, so I don't lose any of the picture. I- I'd love to have it in HD. If you can actually upscale it in HD and it looks good, that's fine. But don't don't rob me of any of the picture. It doesn't have to be Who, widescreen for me to enjoy it. Who's the person that um, oh, uh, submitted this? PQ Comics. Has Mr. PQ Comics uh, seen the actual HD remaster and seen just how bad the chopping is? I mean, you you really want that with English English language release? Well, it's, it's available for anybody to watch on Gundam uh, Info I know. on YouTube. So I'm I, I would hope he's already seen it and yeah. And, but and the, mm. that's my point, though. It's like like Chris just said. Why would you get something that's inferior? I, I think it's because they add extra stuff, like extra Easter eggs and stuff like yeah. that. Completely and useless things Easter like the perfect egg. strike and hey, yeah. here's some more boobs and um, <laughs> you know other useless changes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it adds nothing to the story or anything. So, the only good thing they did was eliminate clip shows. But otherwise, why would you pay something that's 
fake widescreen, which is something people should never do. And it's yeah. annoying that back in the old days, in the 90s and the 2000s, people used to bitch, and this is from my retail days, oh, about yeah. the black boxes on the top and the bottom. They didn't. They wanted it cropped to, to full screen so they could see the whole picture because they want to see more picture. Oh, and yeah. you try to explain to these brain-dead morons how freaking wrong they are, but they wouldn't get it. Yeah. And now uh, that everyone has HGTVs, it's the opposite. They don't want uh, these black boxes <laughs> on the left and right, so they want it cropped to fill their picture and give them the full screen to see more image. It's like, oh my god, it's just it's the same thing but backwards, and you people are just all retarded either way. Please shut up. I know. When I first started dating my wife, um, almost all her DVDs were in uh, 4x3. They were uh, full screen format, and I had to do a double take. It's like, don't you realize that widescreen is the best way to watch a movie? You're losing so much of the picture, and uh, on top of that, we're eventually going to own HD TVs that are going to be in widescreen format. Don't you want to be able to just pop a DVD in and it fills up the whole screen? as opposed to uh, the opposite way around where you're losing most of the picture. It just, you know, it's That's just, why I it's laugh crazy. at everyone with my <laughs> widescreen DVDs because yeah. I saw the future. Yeah, you won't find a full screen DVD in my collection unless that's the only way it came. <laughs> that's the only way you'll see it. Yeah, but um, yeah, I never bought them because you do, you do lose all the stuff on the sides. But hey, there, there, was, there was TV shows and movies that were made before HD televisions were out, people. So... I know it's and they a, look it's fine the way they are. Just yeah. look at the original Star Trek series on Blu-ray. It looks fine, and they didn't do some kind of fake widescreen crop. They left it at four by three the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. Just leave it at the original aspect ratio, whatever that happens to be. That's right. Respect the ratio. <laughs> Just like the chemistry. That's right. That's right. If, if, if Heisenberg taught us anything, respect. But uh, thank you very much for your submission, PQ Comics. Uh, next up is Yokozuna Bulldozer, and he writes, The Desperado, that construction mobile suit from Gundam Age, is released as a Master Grade number 200. As much as this is for fun, I'm half serious hoping that this somehow happens. Even if it's not number 200, I want this displayed in hobby stores and then brought with, and then bought with hard-earned money. Well, man, uh, that's an obscure choice. <laughs> I hope he, I hope he means his own hard-earned money, right? His own. <laughs> he's not gonna he's not gonna force this on the masses and not buy it himself, right? Hey man, I mean, you know, some people want to buy the petite mobile. Moronic looking and had two minutes of screen time. <laughs> Who cares? But it's awesome, but it's awesome Chris. Hey man, some it's people awesome. not awesome. Some, it's awesome, man. Some people want the perfect strike. Some people want the petite mobile. It's just what it is. <laughs> There's way more cool obscure mobile suits that would just be deserving of an MG, mm-hmm. like even randomly than that, like. Mega Man reject. <laughs> it would it would sell like two copies and then um and then some not uh, Bandai would well, just be pissed at how poorly it clearly would sell. clearly we know who one of those kit buyers would be and then the other who knows Jabman so, someone who loves age oh Jabman Jabman does not love yeah. age so he probably wouldn't even touch that <laughs> hey, if you if you put the Destiny logo on it he'd probably buy it damn fooled again <laughs> Destiny Desperado. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but dream big, Yokozuna Bulldozer, and thank you for your submission, sir. Dream big and fail hard. Oh, damn. <laughs> yes, yes. Last submission. Shoot, shoot for the stars and miss. Indeed. Aim for the lowest stars that you can find. <laughs> <laughs> it's far easier. But, um,. Last submission here is from um, a, a new submitter right here. I, I've never seen this guy before. Uh, uh, some guy named uh, Hawk of Endymion? <laughs> Who's this guy? <laughs> Who is this joker? Um, he writes, I want a world free of Piers Morgan and Jim Cramer. Go Capcom. 
<laughs> Chris? Can this man's dream, hope and dream, be fulfilled? I'm, I'm cool with Pierce Morgan, but what entertainment value would CNBC have if Jim Cramer wasn't there? Yeah, oh, especially since they're losing all their people to Fox News, too. Oh, damn, so, are they? Oh, shit. Yeah, well, everybody is. That whole, exactly. that whole thing's going on, but... I mean, for me, my only other reason otherwise to watch CNBC was Aaron Burnett, and she left, so... Oh, get out. So she's gone? <laughs> Jim... Oh, yeah, she went to CNN. Ooh. Yeah, she's been there for a while. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Aaron Burnett, if, that's right. If is, Jim Cramer's uh... gone, then what, what, what purpose is there yeah, in watching it's... all of these uh, bankster wannabes just go on and on about all of these stupid companies uh, defrauding the American public and making tons of money while doing it? It, 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 is, it, is, kind of, it is kind of fun to see a bald troll jumping all around with his little sound effects thing, telling you, telling people of, of how to put their hard-earned money into things that are ultimately going to fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's almost like a pump-and-dump scheme, it seems like, on TV, a televised pump-and-dump. Plus, if he will things like make snarky cameos in Iron Man telling people to dump Stark industry stock. Yeah, that is and true. And add some of that real-world credibility to the movie. Yeah, that is true. So, well, but, damn. yeah, well, I, I, I think all of us... Mm-hmm do agree on a world free of Piers Morgan. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think I think loading him in the in the missile that had the, the Wing Boys Gundams in it and firing <laughs> his gun and mobile suits were never used again. Mm-hmm. That's it. Piers Morgan, was, Piers never Morgan was never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that, that that would work for me. So yeah, just put Larry King now on uh, CNN and just 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 send Piers Morgan back to. He should pull back, a Jay Leno and come back. There you go. There he should, and send Piers Morgan pack pack it back to the UK. I don't care what Jeremy Jeremy Clarkson says. He's got to go back. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry about that one, Jeremy Clarkson. That's like uh, you you spawned him. You own him. You got to I mean. you got to hold that L. <laughs> Which, by the same token, Canada, you got to take Bieber back. Woo, man. <laughs> Because he's a wanted man in South America. No, not not only Bieber, but Nickelback. Oh, man. I mean, I love you, Canada. Uh, ancestral home. You've given us so many great things. Mm-hmm. But oh, Nickelback. Jesus. I think I'd rather do. Uh, I think I'd rather do an hour loop of Justin Bieber songs and then one second of a Nickelback song. <laughs> I will say again, Canada, just send us all of your hot models and actresses. Mm-hmm. Keep all of your crappy music. There you go. Amen to yeah. that. Hey, wait, wait. Rush, not crap. Well, Rush, I Rush said crappy music. Crappy okay. Music. Oh, no, no. Dude. All right. This, oh, sorry, sorry. Just automatic defense. There defense are some great mechanism. Canadian musical artists. Yeah. <laughs> not, we won't, we would definitely not besmirch them. That's for sure. <laughs> they can send us the good music too, oh, but yeah. more important, keep out the crappy music. Maybe they should go on that gun, uh, Wing Boys Gundam missile along with Piers Morgan. And Justin Bieber was never seen again. <laughs> Justin Bieber and Nickelback never played again. <laughs> Getty's monkey was happy in Germany. <laughs> Getty Lee is welcome anytime. <laughs> yes. Neil Pert raises people from the dead. Damn straight. Damn straight. But thank you very much, Hawk of Endymion. And uh, that's it for the uh, Hopers and Dreamers Corner. Thank you, everybody, for uh, participating. And back to you, Neil. All right. Well, you know what time it is. And this was... Of course, lost last episode. So, Chris, no introduction on this one. Give us some old-timey news hour. All right, the first one comes from Angel Wing Zero. 
On location from the front lines aboard the SDF-1 Macross, brave Valkyrie pilots await the next scramble order to fend off the Zentradi Scourge. They're equipped with pilot suits in case of a hull breach, photos to remind them of their sweethearts during battle, and USDA choice steak for dinner. Can't beat those Zentrons on an empty stomach. As the Macross continues on its journey home, they wait and wonder where and when the next attack will take place. In the rings of Saturn? During a Minmay concert? In a park after a trip to the arcade? The wait continues until... Klexons! The scramble order is given and our boys are off to fight the good fight again. Good luck, fellas. Teach those greenskins the meaning of culture. We'll have delicious pineapple salad waiting when you return. Bye, Warbonds. <laughs> someone say culture. <laughs> Indeed, someone did say culture. Awesome. Our next submission comes from uh, Neo's pal, RoboLizard222. I'll screw him. Or her. <laughs> it. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle. Here is my spout. When I get all steamed up, I just shout, tip me over and pour me out. I'm a very special pot, it's true. Here's an example of what I can do. I can turn my handle into a spout, tip me over and pour me out. Wow. Well, all right. <laughs> Or, That's as, freaking as, awesome. As one of the great Americans had said before, whoa. <laughs> yes. And next we have Proteus, who uh, who writes in, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Or you with my big giant penis. Allegedly giant <laughs> penis. And just to push us forward, we're going to do one new one, which comes from AJQ32. When man and machine become one, Matt Lowell is in hell, and there's no place he'd rather be. At a training camp on the backwater planet Earth, he and his fellow cadets are learning to ride mechas, biomechanicals sporting both incredible grace and devastating firepower. Their ultimate aim is to combat the pirates of the Corsair Confederacy, who are constantly raiding Universal Union territories. But before they survive a battle, they have to survive their training. And as much as the robotic avatars are their greatest weapon, they may also be their greatest weakness. For every time Lowell and his comrades plug into their mechas, their minds are slowly being twisted and broken by an unseen power that is neither man nor machine. The few, the proud, the machines, Mecha Core, novel by Brett Patton. <laughs> <laughs> On bookshelves now. <laughs> Copyright infringement. <laughs> He couldn't get a better all right. read. Also. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you all who have posted to the old-timey segment and those that posted to the Hopers and Dreamers. So, guys, anything before we go into our UN-sanctioned, EU-sanctioned extended episode segment? I'm, I'm psyched to talk about some uh, some Vipham, man. There you go. So, Soul Bro spoiled it for you. Talking about Vipham. <laughs> You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. What do the Anime Addicts Anonymous hosts think of My Little Pony? If you're a dude older than 12, <laughs> you really should not be watching My Little Pony. And if you are, go eat some chicken wings. Anime. I'd rather watch the Smurfs. Smurfette was hot. Addicts. 
I'm pretty sure I set a few My Little Ponies on fire when I was a, when I was a child. Anonymous. No, that's cool. I'm just saying that like My Little Ponies burn real nice because they're made of plastic. Podcast. Visit us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, and live from Japan on Ustream.tv. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Where's Sumire? She went home. She said she only came here to see that you were all right. Damn, the babe's leaving already! You didn't tell her anything about me, did you? Let's see, I think I mentioned that you're so behind that you needed to take summer classes or else you'd fail out. And of course I let her know that you had severe diarrhea last night. You got a problem with that? Main trance engine. Number one, two, on. Number three, four, off. Number five, six, seven, eight, on. Hello, I am Vipham. Okay, Vipham. Your number is seven. Instrumental recorder on. Permission to Sauti. Permission wanted. The dread Vipham seven. Wipe away all your tears. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and we're about to dive into our main segment for tonight, which is an anime spotlight for the classic 1980 mecha series, Round Vernian Vifum, also known as Galactic Drifter Vifum, and this series was directed by Takeyuki Kanda, who also would go on to uh, direct such classics as <clears throat> Dragon R, and uh, sadly did not live to see the completion of Athemes Team. Oh, that's... He was the first director on it. Man. Yeah. Yes, that is him. Mm-hmm. So this series predates any of those and features mecha designs by Kunio Okawara with uh, a similar design aesthetic to what you would see later in Dragon R and SBT Laisner. So here's the basic story. You have um, this human colony world of uh, Clayad and these scientists are investigating this mysterious sort of obelisk thing that they find there. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly these, uh, these aliens who they're calling the Astrogators attack and these aliens have robots which uh, the humans also have but it being a surprise attack the aliens get the jump on the humans so the humans are forced to evacuate in the midst of this attack and we're introduced to our main character Roddy Shuffle and his younger brother Fred so they meet up with a bunch of other kids who... wait before you uh, his name is Pea Pants Fred oh come on <laughs> Continue, Chris. Sorry. Poor Fred. Pee pants, Fred. He's just not going to live that down, is he? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, they meet up with some other kids, 
and they're all evacuated up to space to the space station and uh, this ship called the Janus that's a uh, training ship mm-hmm. and as the Janus evacuates it's attacked by the astrogators and uh, tragically every single adult on the ship dies except for two the two scientists and the kids are forced to take positions volunteering on the ship rather like a certain white base but with almost no adults around mm-hmm. and they manage to reach the next planet over where they hope to find help instead they find another wreck space station and two more kids and when they go down to the planets they find uh, more devastation and then one of the scientists goes off um, to try to get help and gets killed when his plane is destroyed so you just have one woman and a bunch of kids and they head kids. off for space again on the Janus they find out what's really going on uh, that the astrogators are actually humans just a little bit different and they call themselves Kuktonians because they're from the planet Kukto and all of the people who were evacuated off of Clayad were captured which is uh, all of these kids parents so they decide to journey to this artificial satellite called Tout so that they can rescue their parents unfortunately they lose uh, Kate the scientist along the way so now they're forced to really try to operate on their own until they later meet up with uh, some Federation ships and uh, get some new gear. But then they have to uh, carry on. They go to Tout. Unfortunately, their parents are not there, but Roddy, who's captured, manages to make contact with the Resistance and make friends with them as they escape. Then the Federation shows up. They have a big old battle, and Tout is destroyed. So the kids take the Janus down to Kuto try to find their parents. Unfortunately, the ship isn't designed for atmospheric entry, so <laughs> it crashes on the surface of Kukto, never to be used again. And with uh, the ship just basically a wreck, the kids set off with uh, their mecha and with various vehicles on this odyssey across Kukto to try to find their parents. Along the way, they uh, meet up with some Kuktonian kids, they meet up with uh, the rebels again, find out that uh, a base where they thought their parents were being held is also not where they're being held. And by the end of the series, um, their parents are saved because the Federation comes to help. And with uh, their part of the fighting over and peace on the horizon, the uh, kids head off to Earth to be reunited with their parents. Hell yes. So Yay. that's so- sort of a gist of the series. So, Sobra, what were your thoughts on Vifum? Well, it took me a while to, uh, to to get this started. I actually uh, started a few episodes in, and um, I, I ended up getting distracted by other stuff. But then I finally sat down and blew the show out, and um, I discovered some. Interesting- Was one of those things called Hulu Plus? <laughs> Yes, I got sucked into the void of Hulu as always. No. And your other friend live stream? Did, oh, did you follow <laughs> Did you follow uh my advice to mm-hmm. put all of the episodes into a folder called Hulu? Indeed, indeed, I did. I did. Oh, I did. he I did. tricked I, himself. I did oh, that yeah. to Chris, man. I psyched myself into it and um I was quite pleased with the show. Um one of the things I was really I was really happy to discover that this series is loosely, and I do mean loosely based on a novel I read as a child called um Two Years Vacation by Jules Verne. 
Um, and it's not the first anime series to be based on this. Um, Infinite Revised, I also found out at the same time finding out that this was based on uh, that story. So it was Infinite Revised. So for those who have seen wow. that show, um, they're both based on the same book. And I love this book to death when I was growing up. Um, the reason why is I saw an anime movie of this on HBO called The, the Story of 15 Boys. And when I saw that, it made me run out to my 15 library. 15 young Asian boys? There you go. <laughs> That's where the madness began. No, no, that's that's the one you watch on Cinemax. Exactly. <laughs> you ask. <laughs> but um, yeah, I saw that years and years ago, like in the late '80s on HBO, when they used to show like uh anime shows and movies based on um old novels. And I went out and sought out the book, and I read it, and I really enjoyed it. And um, think Lord of the Flies, but not dysfunctional. <laughs> that's what the book was. Uh, the kids worked together to survive for two years being stranded on a, an island. It takes place in the 1800s. Um, and it's Robinson Crusoe with kids. And uh, that's pretty much the story of a, a tale of 15 boys or a two years vacation. And it was adapted. Um, Vifum took the, the core elements of that story and ran with it. And I can see tonally it is exactly the same. You get that desperation of how the kids have to adjust to their situation being on their own and, you know, how they how they had relied on adults for so long and now they have to rely on themselves. And you, you're scared for them. They, the show really does a good job putting you in their shoes and seeing how they have to adjust to things. And you're thinking of all the, the hardships they have to overcome, but they end up doing it. And it's an incredible, uh, incredible, uh, a uh, watch. Um, especially when you're up against an unknown enemy and you later find out that one of your crew members, um, an unknown enemy, an unknown enemy, a known unknown enemy. <laughs> at, the, at the time, the kids don't know a Secretary lot about Secretary Rumsfeld, are you, uh, are you doing this review? Exactly. An unknown, unknown. <laughs> but the Astro Gators, no with them being up against the Astro Gators and them not giving a damn that the kids, the ship's run by kids. I guess they really don't know, but there's several times where the, the kids, are clearly being seen and they're tar- the the big mecca of the enemy are um the astrogators are, are pointing their their rival their laser rifles at the kids ready to destroy them it's like damn these these aliens are ruthless son <laughs> well you find out the reason why later yeah yeah you do find out later but um one of my favorite arcs is probably the first arc of the show where you get introduced to the characters and pretty much what makes them tick and they don't really come out of the gate piloting anything or doing anything. They're just getting used to their situation. And when they're when they're stranded on that um that ruined in that ruined city on that planet, Roddy starts to learn how to pilot the the Vifum by uh, game simulations. Which and it takes many episodes. I think almost up to ten before he actually Not game gets in simulations. Yeah, well, actual, actual simulations. Yeah. That's true. But um, he he starts to play the simulation, and when he does, it gets him accustomed to actually piloting the suit, which he finally does on like episode ten. So the show takes a sweet ass time getting him in the suit. I'm, I don't think I've seen an anime take so long to get the character in the titular suit. But I really enjoyed his progression, and it made sense. It's not like he had the keys to the mech and he had to, he got to jump into it from the get go and use it. It actually took its sweet time and it paid off in the long run. And it, his progression just makes sense throughout the course of the show. Um, outside of that, you know how the characters are introduced, like um, Bart's when they when they come to the planet um, and they run into Bart's, and you don't really find out what his backstory is for a while. But the dynamic that him and Roddy have, they pretty much are, are thick, thick as thieves. I enjoyed that a lot about the show. Um, uh, the pairing of the different characters, like uh, uh, my my uh, one of my at first I hated this character, but uh, uh, Kensu, 
Um, I didn't really like him all that much when he first got introduced. Although his the voice, Sarge, you didn't yeah, like the Sarge, not at first. He was a bit of an ass. Um, but I, it would tickle me pink. It's a typical military otaku. Yeah. When, when, what tickled me pink about that character is every time you Ooh. hear that character open his mouth, all I could think of is Goku. Cause the woman that does the voice of Son Goku in Dragon Ball is yeah. the voice of that character. So I'm just expecting a no comic. Wonder his voice is so screechy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm expecting Kamehameha to come out at any moment. And uh, <laughs> and instead he he was he became you warmed up to him and you warmed up to Sharon, which they ended up pairing up those two in the in the long run. Sharon was a pain in the ass too. She was just a bit of an oddball, but um she was a, also a source of humor. My strawberry show. panties. The strawberry panties. <laughs> and she always, never liked to change her underwear. Ew. Oh my God! What's wrong with this girl? Um, but yeah, uh, I, I won't I won't ramble on. But uh, I guess my other favorite arc in this series is the uh, the arc with the four Kutonian kids when they run into them and they um, they first have to get over that language barrier, which is a big thing in the show. Until they they finally come across these universal translators later on. But having to get past that language barrier and help these kids out who are pretty much um, orphaned because of all their ki- other parents being imprisoned. Due to the war that was going on, and how they had to work together in order to, to to not only find the, their parents, but to help free them from the prison camp they were in, was a really interesting story arc, and 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 had a lot of payoff at the end. But um, there's many moments in this show that made me missed up, man. I I I don't know what it was about the show, but it made me. It, it definitely got me emotionally, and uh, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And um, I'll pass the mic over back to Chris. No, 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 no. Name, name a few before you pass it on. What are some of Soul Bros misting moments? My God, um, when they uh, they got to the the uh, artificial planet and their parents weren't there. Oh. And they they were definitely saddened by that. Anytime they 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 got played with the shell game on where their parents were, and you could expect it coming. Um, you know, you know when they were disappointed by that, and they they started to lose hope that it would ever run into their parents. That was a sad thing. When you found out that uh, uh, what's her name, uh, the Katsue, yeah. Um, when you found out her parents died, her adoptive parents died, and now she's on the search for her her actual birth parents and you know there's probably very little chance she's going to find them because there's really no no paper trail leading her back to that and later on when you find out that jimmy loses his parents lost his parents and he knows it that's a very strong moment and you know i guess katawe was trying to kind of hide that from him by saying oh we're going to find your parents we're going to find your parents and then she uh she goes on to uh find out from jimmy that he knew the whole time that they died in that shuttle exploding that you saw at the beginning of the series. So, you know, it, Jimmy was no dummy, although he was kind of slow. He was also pretty quick on certain things. And uh, that was another character I enjoyed. But uh, I think the part that got me the most is when Kate sacrificed herself to uh, help out everybody else at the, uh, in the or early part of the she? series. Or did she? Qu- yeah. Quote unquote, sacrificed herself. Yeah. Sacrificed herself in, in quotations. Um, that was a moment that really upset me. That was the first episode or the second episode I watched on the stream that I was doing. And I, the, the people watching the stream saw how pissed I was when that shit happened. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty upset that she, that she got ejected from the story so early in the game. But it made sense because the kids had to rely on themselves in order to survive. And you knew that it, the show was eventually going to get there. So um, that, that's all I'll say for now. I'll, I'll chime in and, and with, with wherever you guys have other things to say. But I'll pass the mic back to Chris. All right. Neo, your impressions on the TV show? It was awful. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I'm not going to go into a whole childhood uh, reminiscing like Solbro did, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> do, well, do you ever? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's actually. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the first, you know, where Solbro, I did, I did, I do agree with Solbro when he talks about Roddy when he it takes him a while to get in the suit. But, you know, the first part of the show is it's a little slow. It's setting up things. You're trying to get used to uh, the characters because one of the issues that you have is there's 13 of these kids Mm -hmm. and then these adults that come in every so often and, uh, and, you know, usually get killed because definitely in the Vifam world, if you're around these kids, you do not want to be an adult. You see these kids, you go away (laughs) because you will die. Because every damn adult around them died. Every stray uh, laser will hit you. <laughs> yeah, every stray laser. You know, in the end, we see that one has plot armor, but you know, whatever. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a very interesting dynamic because you know, of course, it's got so many you know similarities to other mecha shows, especially other Sunrise mecha shows. But um, you know, it, it's done in a, a lot different way. I, I like the fact that the Janus is. Um, it's a training ship, and it's got it like a an AI. Unfortunately, we it's an AI, but you know, hey, it's this is a story. It's not in our world, but mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, it helps them uh, pilot the ship. It helps them with all the things that are going on there. It's a it's a huge ship, and um, you know, of course, we like Solbro stated, you get the dynamic between the kids. You, you know, it's the, of course the typical thing: the people that couldn't stand each other. At the begin with, were best friends at the end of everything, and yeah, seeing these kids go through what they did uh, just to find their parents, and and it's and it's funny because uh, one of the things as the show goes on uh, that's really nice about it is they never lose sight of their ultimate goal, which is to reunite themselves with their parents, and there never gets a point they get sidetracked a little bit at things but they never get to the point where they lost focus of what they wanted to do they wanted to reunite with their parents and the and the fact that you know they have that childish aspect to them where they believe their parents are going to be uh there at the end you know that their, their parents are all alive you know except for jimmy and stuff uh that was sad but you know in the end all the other kids know you're, you know, they have this belief that they're going to, you know, meet up with their parents. And, you know, of course, there's some, you know, some of the some of the normal things you have in there. Uh, the war isn't what you thought it was. We find out that the Earth wasn't really a surprise attack. It was a retaliation for an attack that the Earth did on the Clutonians. Was it Berwick or Clado when they did that attack on them? I think it was. Uh, Might have been Berwick. I don't remember. One one of the because there's two planets that go in between, but uh, there's a surprise, you know, surprise attack because the Clutonians are doing their own scientific studies. Uh, Earth has basically got a migration policy to other planets going on, and you know, then we find out from some of the uh, rebel Clutonians that. uh, Migration policy, more basically, more like space manifest destiny. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was being, you know, calling it for what they called it. But yes, it, it was pretty much. <laughs> hey, this is our planet. You, you, we see you here. Get the hell off. We're gonna kill you, basically. So, um, you know, of course, we see the motivation now that um, the Clutonians are are fighting the um, the Earth, the Earth Federation. And yeah, I mean, you just get you, you just get these kids going from one direction to another. Uh, there is a progression. Uh, things do kind of end, like you said. Um, 
the Janus, uh, as, as great of a ship as it was, they're not using it at the end of the series. Um, they have to do this cl- uh, crash landing on Cluto, um, and it's done. I mean, of course, they go back and visit it uh, in one of the OVAs, but other than that, it's it served its purpose, and they had to move on. And it, it you know, it's it's it, it has a lot of those parallels with uh, things in life, moving on, having ultimate goals, and things like that. So it was definitely um, definitely very interesting. The development when it comes to the you know uh, Rowdy and Bart as the mobile suit pilots, mm-hmm. very nice because you get a gradual one. Um, the Vifums. They're not anything super special. They're not some secret prototype. They're basically the same, the grunt suits. It's just the fact that these guys, you know, they really were hell-bent on getting better, and they used these simulators to do it. And, you know, of course, you have a competition between the two of them. And eventually, you see Roddy as the better of the two pilots. And, you know, so much so that uh, one of the Clutonian military guys, Mueller, mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he, he develops the Captain Ahab obsession with the, <laughs> with the white mobile suit, basically. And because, you know, Roddy's just holding his own. And, you know, and, and even when they meet up with, uh, what is it, Colonel Roden and his guys that the, um, they rendezvous with and for a short time, they take command of the Janus to help, you know, go uh, navigate to a rendezvous with the uh, destroyer Reagan, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was definitely, <laughs> de- definitely an 80s anime. And so, you know, even they're marveling at it. And, and you know, you, then you get these, their, their, uh, their mobile suit mecha jocks come in and, you know, and they're like surprised that these kids are able to do what they're doing, especially Roddy and Bart's because, you know, I think one of the guys is like, hey, we haven't even seen combat yet. And, you know, these kids are so it, it just shows sometimes, you know, I, I, what is always that thing, the innocence of a child helps with adaptability. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing that you see with it, where these kids are given kind of a raw deal. They all banded together. They're all different. And they got to their ultimate goal and they had some hardships along the way. And uh, that's really the main gist of the show is uh, a lot of the mobile suit action, a lot of the political stuff. It's kind of a sidebar. Where it's just mainly these kids on kind of like a incredible journey. That's that I know that's with the uh, what is it the, the the animals when they made it home, but it's kind of like the same thing. So <laughs> kids and puppies, they're all the same. I don't know. Oh, but, um, Mano? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that was Homeward Bound. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, true. It was that. the two dogs and the cat, but whatever. Um, now, oh my God, childhood reminiscing. Uh, over to you, the Chris. Most unexpected comparison I've ever heard. I would have never expected <laughs> anyone to compare Vifum to Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, least of all you. Well, in the end, they were trying to get back to their homes and get, yes. you know, kind of the same thing. Their masters or yes. parents. And yes. children and cats and puppies are the same thing. So. Surprise. They kind of, yeah, they, I mean. <laughs> They're all interchangeable. Yes. <laughs> okay. Indeed. Indeed. I'll so, do that, Chris. I'll do that. <laughs> I, the proverbial I white glove is across your face. <laughs> I challenge you <laughs> to a childhood reminiscing duel. <laughs> so, you know, the show starts off and it has that vibe of being an MSG clone where you have, um, you know, this newly colonized place being attacked and these kids forced onto the spaceship and the adults die. So the kids have to fight blah, blah, blah. And also some shades of 
Ideon, you know, where you have uh, a war with mysterious aliens who are actually just humans from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Something that we've seen before with Ideon and we'll see again later in Lazner. Mm -hmm. But I really like that this show strikes out on its own path very early and spins all that on its head. For one, the idea that this time Earth people are the asshole aliens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the aggrieved party. Because humans from Earth attacked the Kutonian colonists and started this shit. Exactly. Rather than the other way around. And covered it up to their own, to the Earth Federation citizens saying, hey, they attacked us. We were the instigators yeah. to the astrogators. <laughs> exactly. Well but you done. all know that, citizens. Mm -hmm. So... Then there's, you know, the kids getting over the revelation of that because Kent's in particular has a very blind hatred of Kuktonians. And when they find out yeah. that Kachue is a Kuktonian, he just starts blindly hating her and thinking that she's an enemy and has to get over his hatred. It's like just because she's of these people does not mean that they are evil and everything is so simplistically and childishly, childishly black and white the way that he sees it. Oh, sweet racism. <laughs> Yep. I like that this show goes into a more technical rendition of the kids in a spaceship because, you know, if you look at uh, pretty much any other story, whether it's Seed or the original series, a bunch of teenagers on a spaceship, not, not too hard a thing to run. Yeah. Yeah. But these kids have to work really hard at uh, manning all of the stations, learning up, reading about all of the uh, operations manuals, doing all of these complex calculations to set their course mm -hmm. so that they don't crash into space debris. I mean, they really have to struggle just to keep this ship running, especially since it's a ginormous ship and it's just these dozen kids eventually. You see, old P-Pants Fred was useful, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being the navigator and all. I like how we see the characters grow. We see Scott become the captain, and he starts off as basically this wuss coward, but then mm -hmm. really grows into a pretty capable leader. You know, we, we see um, Roddy and Bart's become really close friends. Um, Jimmy, man, this kid, he's one yes. of my favorites. This kid is, oh, yes. is like the mainstay of the show because this kid is sensible. He's got the right idea. As soon as there's trouble, this kid immediately goes and finds tons of weapons. Shit, yes. <laughs> yeah. He may not get to the fight on time, mm -hmm. but his heart is in the right place, and he's a good shot on the cannons. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. man. He, uh, freaking, he's always got a cart full of missiles <laughs> ready to <Yes>. go. <laughs> yes. Some of the characters are annoying. Kent's can be pretty annoying with his stupid gung-ho attitude getting them into trouble so many times. Mm -hmm. Um Two characters who consistently annoyed me were the youngest kids on the ship, oh, Marlo yeah. and Lucina. Oh. And they didn't annoy me so much because of the fact that they're four-year-olds. What yeah. really annoyed me was that their voice actors are clearly not four-year-olds, no. but trying very hard and failing yeah. to sound like four-year-olds. On top of that, I think the voice of Lucina was also the voice of Kate. If I, if I remember right, looking at the, um, the Anime News Network uh, lineup, yeah, I think that's the same voice actors for both of them, so it is kind of yeah. weird. Whoever it, it is, mm -hmm. not ideal for... Get, get young kids is what they should have done. <laughs> they don't have to be four years old, but adults should never try to sound like kids. Amen to that. Every time they open their mouths, I was like, oh my god, will somebody just space these kids? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you on that. They would annoy me, and kind of looking back at it, it wasn't what they said because they said stuff that you know four-year-olds. They're still gonna, yeah. even though all this stuff's going on, they're still gonna be kind of oblivious and kind of a little selfish when it comes to wanting to see their parents and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the voices were just ooh, they were yeah. I painful mean, to listen to. Yeah, they're whiny and annoying, but that's how you'd expect four-year-olds to be. It's just those voices are so grating, especially Lucina. Like, oh my God, somebody kill this girl, please. <laughs> yeah. Just, just accidentally space her and say that, you know, whatever. You just want to transfer the kids to the day on is what you want to do. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> a straight bazooka shell, decapitating one of them. Oh. <laughs> Terrible. Oh my God. The best. Pretty much. Um, other things I enjoyed, the mecha designs are all pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Kunio Okawar, back when he was a good designer. Back in his prime. Yes, back when he didn't recycle everything. <laughs> so that's that's some solid stuff. And, man, the Vifem is just such a cool design. It and is. what I like is it's a newer mecha, but it's not an uber-fancy prototype. It's a mass-production suit. There is nothing special about it. Exactly. That's what... That's what I enjoyed the most when it came to any of the mech suit battles or any of that stuff is, yeah, it's that. It wasn't the prototype. It didn't have some, you know, push push this button when you're in deep shit mm-hmm. type of deal. It was just, and Roddy and Parks had to get better just because they had to get better. They had to learn, you know, and, and then you didn't have some stupid thing like new typism where they're, you know, yeah. Just had they raw throw skills. The machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You can see an raw opening. Mm-hmm. And even early on in the series, mm-hmm. well, relatively early on, the Vifem gets shown up by the newer Taranfam, which yes. joins their arsenal, and that sort of makes the Vifem even less special, but in a way more special of the fact that it's so ordinary mm-hmm. compared yeah. to so many other series where it's this uber special, powerful prototype. Yeah, no, no, no mid-season upgrade for Roddy. Yeah, other than just getting a, a sling pannier, which yeah. basically, yes, is the AO pack before the AO pack was a, pit, a pack. Exactly. That and when and after the Janus's uh, crash, they make shields out of the Janus's hull, which yeah. was Pretty very interesting. Yeah, innovative and very something you normally don't see because it'd be like you know some professor or somebody like that would hey I got this I was tinkering around and here's this new thing so yeah. But, Another thing in terms of the mecha combat is I think um, Mueller is probably one of the best and most underrated in the line of the honorable enemy. Yeah, that's true. Because he doesn't have any deep hatred for Roddy. He just wants to prove himself as a pilot. And he's got this interesting story in that he's half Kuktonian, half Earthling. Mm. And his entire life, he's faced massive discrimination for being half Earther. So he's trying to go out of his way to prove himself as a Kuktonian, but they're always crapping on him no matter how skilled he is, and he is their best pilot. And I like that eventually he realizes when they're trying to kill him too, it's like, why am I wasting so much effort trying to impress people who will never acknowledge me and will just keep stepping on me and treating me like garbage just for being half-Earther? Yeah, when he, when he got the joke that they sent him on a wild goose chase in the first place for the uh, the last obelisk, you know, all the while working on technology that would render him even acquiring that useless, you know, I had that you could see the futility on his face. 
Yeah. I like that he turns on them and that he's able to put aside his rivalry with Roddy because it becomes useless. Yeah. There's no point for them to be rivals. And he, as we see in the OVA, the last OVA, settles down into a totally normal and happy life. Oh, yeah. With a hot Which woman. is very rare to see with, uh, you know, the enemy aces. Yeah. The fact that he called Roddy out to uh, to come talk to him and Roddy was thinking, is, is this guy going to try something? <laughs> And he was just absolutely chill. It was, it, was, it was a refreshing change. Yeah, I mean, one of the only other enemy pods I can think of who just sort of settles down and chills by the end of the show is uh, from Elgheim, uh, Gablet Gable. That's Gable. right. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then on the flip side, he was he was the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he of, was the joke. Whereas Mueller yeah. was always like top flight ace. Yeah. I mean, and he was just battling. He was just battling basically racism within the Kryptonian military of. You know, you're half earther, so and yeah, that that was that to me, that was one of the things I really noticed and it and it was refreshing. And it and even when he had the rivalry with um uh Roddy, it wasn't like the all consuming and you know, Hatred, he becomes like a like different say, person. Like say burn burnings. Oh, yeah, wow. and it and it and it Dunbar. cloud and it ends up clouding his judgment and actually ends up making him a worse pilot because it consumes him. It was just, hey, I need to prove myself. This guy is the best of the Earth military. I haven't been able to best him. Each time I go out, I'm going to just try to best him. But he wasn't, you know, all crazy. So, yeah, real, real, real nice change. There was a there was a great yeah. moment between him and Scott too, um, towards the end where um, Scott went to go get the truck back that he stole in order yeah. to escape the uh, installation, and um, he just let Scott take it. It's like here, here you go. I'll start the engine for you. Give give uh give your boy my give your boy Roddy my best. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because he realized that it had all those kids' belongings in there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And he was true. just kind of like he was kind of like oh here you know so. Yeah. Another thing that I like, as mentioned, is that these kids are very on point. They don't get sucked into the war and fight to end the war. They don't care about that. All they care about, literally, is just finding their parents and nothing more. But in the course of doing so, when they hook up with Jeddah and his rebels, they set things in motion that eventually lead to the end of the war anyway, but never once does any of them say, oh, we have to stop this terrible war. It's like, no, we just have to find our parents because we're kids and that's all that we care about, which is what you would expect. Yeah, and they're single-minded in their purpose. I mean, even when they're helping out the four Kooktonian kids, I think that's, I think that's like the uh, the only kind of side quest they take, but it's it's because they feel yeah. for those kids because those kids They realize they're in the same parent. situation. Exactly. They have a, a universal uh, uh, situation between them both and it helps to bridge that gap uh between and both then, sides of the conflict and and i like that i know he wasn't in it too long just a couple episodes but colonel Roden, the the um earth federation guy yeah you know not like in all these other shows they try to rec- oh these kids did all this stuff let's try to recruit them and and put them into our you know our forces and stuff he kind of gets it and ultimately sacrifices himself and his men to protect these kids to help them go find their parents you know he never he know he did not seem like he had any ill will or try, or wanted to try to coerce them into um you know getting involved in that war and you know, and 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 that kind of speaks out of it because you know we of the wars that we've had in the past in the real world. You've you've heard of things like this sometimes where you know enemies meet and you know you said about Mueller and Scott. You know sometimes people met on the battlefield and and they let each other go knowing it just wasn't the right time. And you know there, there seemed to be a little bit more humanity with um, you know some of the actions with even 
the the military you know that the the guys that we saw within it so yeah it was it was nice and you know like i said in the end all they cared about was finding their parents so <laughs> yeah i also like that in keeping with that that the finale was very downbeat because the second to last episode wraps up the action because they just take care of the guy that they were escaping from and then the last episode is wrapping up all of the character issues like for example uh, Kachue wondering if she should stay on Kukto to uh, try to find her Kuktonian birth parents and then you know other things like uh, Kent's making a, a very big offer to Jimmy to come live with him and be his brother mm-hmm which sadly he does not take him up on. That would have been a funny. That would have been a, the, the basis of a sitcom right there. <laughs> yeah, spinoff. <laughs> no, because its main concern was never the war. Mm-hmm. So it ended the way it should have and at the time it should have, with the war being almost incidental. Yeah. So, Chris, you're telling me there's a show out there with Mecca that didn't have one huge final finale in the, <laughs> in the, like, the last two episodes episodes or last episode and a half where people die and and there's strange uh, defections and betrayals and all that stuff yes i might it be exi- saying that that's crazy there, there's something like this exists <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it does exist shocking <laughs> so got a few more things to discuss mm-hmm. and after the tv show there were four OVAs released, each about an hour long. The first two are just compilations because at this time in the early 80s, complete shows weren't sold on VHS and it was assumed that there would be no market for people wanting to buy a complete show. So instead they released these compilations. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about those. (laughs) The third episode um, takes place early on in the run of the series and is a very bizarre story about this mystery with uh, the ship being haunted and everyone slowly disappearing one by one, but it's all just a lead up for a big surprise party for Scott's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So really pretty ridiculous, but um, you know, just a nice diversion and with some higher quality OVA animation. Nothing special. Any comments on this OVA, guys? Uh, I, I thought it was, you know, it, it's a humorous episode. Um, if it's supposed to fit into the, the run of the TV show, what happened to the pet that they discovered? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I say. The, the one new character in there is like Jimmy oh, ate him. Hey, Jimmy ate him. Because <laughs> Jimmy ate everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where the tail came from <laughs> that he gave to uh Lu- lucina later yeah. on <laughs> yeah, well that yeah that, uh, or it was a tooth or something i left yeah, you this <laughs> damn oh my god i guess that explains everything but yeah um i thought it was a, a bit of an oddball choice i kind of wish i watched it within the course of the series if i uh if i'd have known exactly where it had fallen i would have done that and maybe on a rewatch i'll do that just uh just so it has more context but uh yeah, uh, I don't, it, I don't, I don't know what context you're looking for because this I just, is I, I, I kind of one of those a, arbitrary. I would have rather just, not have watched it at the end after I after saw that heart wrenching, uh, uh, you know, because it screwed finale. the whole show up, right? It, yeah, it, it kind of screwed it kinda, the whole flow of the show, right? It was good to see them back in the thick of things, but I just would have rather seen that within the course, of the thrust of the series, as opposed to seeing that um, at the end after everything was said and done as a kind of a bonus episode. But uh, that's just me. Well, you got it. You got it as a bonus episode. Yes, a bonus hour long episode. That is just you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what did, what did you guys think? <laughs> well, I, I think it's what you're saying pointless is pointless little not, diversion, but yeah. but amusing. 
Yeah, I thought what you said just absolutely ridiculous, but um, no, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just a crazy little episode mm-hmm. set within span of like what a couple hours on the ship. It's, it's got that uh, horror Halloween vibe to it, and yeah. then you just find out it's just, and and as they went. You kind of pick up on it once they do the walk, and they're all they're all got lines. They they tied rope around each other's waist so nobody gets taken away. And then as you as they're walking through different hallways and doorways, you're seeing less and less people. You're like, oh, okay, this has got it. This is going somewhere. And yeah, it was just just a fun little way of giving Scott a birthday. And I what was it? The ghosts that were showing up. The, the previous crew used to get bored on their journeys and they created a program just to kind of play around with or something. So yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, good, good little fun episode, a little return there. Um, I don't know in the, the span of the war between the Clutonians and the uh, earth federation, what that, uh, what battle it, it helped master. We'll have to find that out for you. soul, bro. Maybe it's between episodes 32 and 31. It, we'll it, call it, it 31 point. Point seven five. It's before they get the tout. So any any time, I guess you can watch that in between. Uh, yes. Before they get the tout, basically the the episode before that, I guess you can watch it there. But <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. So then we have the fourth OVA, Memories of Kate, which is the epilogue to the TV series and mm-hmm. picks up a year later. So we have the kids coming back to Kukto because uh, the old government has been deposed and there's now a new government in place with Jetta in charge and they've made peace with Earth. So kids basically are coming out for a big time um, celebration to mark the one year end of the war and of peace between Earth and Kukto. So the kids are under close supervision because we find that there's some old factions that are still around and are not happy with uh, the new power and with this peace with earth so they're being kept on their close watch but roddy manages to escape when he gets a message that leads him to mueller who we now find is a uh hotel operator <laughs> and very much alive <laughs> yes and mueller basically passes on some information that he heard that their friend kate is actually alive and uh, after she was captured because when she quote unquote dies, her little space fighter, we don't see it explode on screen. So mm-hmm. it's totally possible that she survived. And she did. She's picked up by a Kuktonian ship. And her being an Earthling, they tortured her to hell and basically um, brainwashed her and destroyed all her memories of who she is. So the kids all bust out of their protective guard and Scott stays behind to sort of uh, give them cover. And they all set out to find Kate. And they do. But unfortunately, she doesn't remember any of them. Mm -hmm. So they take her to the wreckage of the Janus to try to jog her memory. And uh, that still doesn't quite work. So finally, they get found by the Kryptonians and the Earthers. And they're forced to uh, leave. And when they're saying goodbye at the airport... That's when everything finally clicks for her, and she remembers who she is, and it's a very happy ending 
for everyone. So thoughts on this OVA? Oh, man, it was a it was a tearjerker for me, man. Uh, I I couldn't believe that Kate was alive, man. No, Although, your your things are called now Soul Bros Misting Moments. And it's Soul Bros Misty Moments, man. To see that Kate was still alive, hell, to see that Mueller was still around was was I guess to be expected because both their off screen demises were ambiguous. So there's no really way you would be able to confirm whether they were dead or not. But um, the fact that she was alive yet um, uh, suffering from amnesia was was kind of a bittersweet reunion. Um, but you know the kids' attempts to you know to take her uh, back to the the Janus and then later on to go camping and try to jog any memory of them in her mind was was pretty endearing. And and to finally see that she would come to her memories again towards the end, I guess they kind of um, they foreshadowed it because anytime she heard like the thrusters of a plane or or, or aircraft, it would kind of throw her into some kind of a uh, shock. And uh, eventually, you know, her being on the landing PTSD. strip, PTSD, her being on the um, yeah. the landing strip of an airport as the as the kid's plane is taking off would be the very thing to trigger her memory was 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 pretty awesome. It, it was well, also knew because it was towards the end of the OVA. Yeah, of course, you yeah. know that it was going to happen. Um, but you know, at the same time, uh, I, I thought it was kind of coincidental that, or uh, a bit convenient that they were still alive. But I really didn't have a problem with it because the show is a very an emotional ride. So the fact that Kate did show up at the very end makes for a very happy ending, which is very rare when you come to uh, mecha anime. A lot of mecha anime have bittersweet endings or abrupt endings, or you know, uh, endings with a lot of uh, heartache and sorrow and a lot of deaths. And this series isn't one of them. There's a lot of death through it, but the main characters pretty much all live to tell the tale and it was nice to see them get their happy ending and their 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 the well-deserved moment of uh, finally getting reunited with kate and her getting her memories back so i really enjoyed it i thought it was fantastic neo i thought it was a enjoyable wrap-up of course we find out at the end of the series that the you know these kids have a kind of a following kind of a cult following when they return back to earth you know because they're being touted as being kind of instrumental in bringing the two sides together so we see later on now the Kutonians are going to be given the same you know celebration that I guess they probably received on Earth and yeah the whole thing with Kate yeah it was convenient but did it bother me nah um, I kind of it didn't it didn't surprise me too too much with Mueller being around because I kind of figured he was still around mm-hmm. and even as ambiguous as Kate's death seemed uh, it was so long ago that you just kind of forget about it and you kind of feel that she was always gone. And the the fact and, it, and it, it's a little it's a little, um, you know, it's interesting because it's it's kind of heart wrenching to these kids because they're they're having a hard time understanding some of them, especially the younger ones of how she can't remember them. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, she looks the same, blah, blah, blah. And it's just it's just really tough. And you see that, you know, of course, it's very difficult on Roddy and, and, and all the guys. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's definitely one of the it's definitely nice to see them try to go out of their way and basically say screw this celebration about us it's not about us it's about her and <laughs> you know hey hey scott we, we we know you're a glory hound and you love being called <laughs> captain and stuff why, why, why don't you go and um you know stand in for us and just say we all got sick when we came here so um it'll just be the scott scott haywood show there you go um, man. he's captain a stand-up scott. Dude. captain scott yeah captain scott <laughs> and uh 
Yeah, but yeah, so and you know, nice little bookend of everything that we uh, had going there with um, you know, one one more return to the Janus. We see that now uh Bo- was it Bogey, the uh Bogey, the yeah. AI mm-hmm. is now actually dead. It was still operating to a point in the show and even when they left uh Cluto, it was still operating. It was still tracking stuff, but now we see it's been a year or so later and I think Roddy or one of them is like, yeah, eventually, electricity eventually runs What's out. out? <laughs> so, and, you know, they do that. And, of course, they go back to camping. And, and that kind of harkens back to all the times that they would go and um, have, uh, you know, um, their, their little, uh, little get-togethers eating a lot of times. Because throughout the show, all we see them, there, there's always a time where it seems almost like family dinner. Yeah. Even though none of them are technically family. Mm-hmm. It was all family. And even when Kate... Before she became uh, Sumeragi, a proto Sumeragi, there for a while when she was she, when she was on the sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, they always kind of had that, and it, it's kind of harkening back to, to that all all those things that we saw. And you know, it it was it was pretty expected, but in the end, it was nice to see. And then it, it just gave you that good feeling. Oh, okay, everything's you know back in shape except for the poor professor. You know, that, he's still dead, but. <laughs> 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 but yeah, good stuff. I mean, a, a great close to the show, or is it? You know, so there you go. Back I definitely you, thought Chris. it was it was a bittersweet ending. You have um, follow up to some of the characters like Kachue and Jimmy, both staying on Kukdo, and yeah. all the kids kind of going their separate ways, coming back together, and the simultaneous. Um, excitement at finding out that Kate is alive, followed by the crushing disappointment of realizing that she doesn't have any idea who the hell they are, no matter what they do. Yeah, that, that was pretty bad. And the sort of nostalgia of them trying to take her back to the Janus to jog her memory. It was nice to see um, the orange Vifum show up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Since they'd yeah. had that in, uh, they left that behind on the Janus, and it got to shine for a brief minute, picking up trees and throwing them around. <laughs> True. And it was good, like I mentioned, to see Mueller have a normal life and go beyond just being the enemy ace. So that was a good end for him. And uh, in the end, I'm glad that it turned out well and that she got her memories back. It's a uh, it's a fitting epilogue for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was nice to see that Mueller just put the war behind him. You know, because a lot of times, even when the enemy aces survive, they're always still consumed or they become an alcoholic or something like this. No, this guy's just <laughs> I'm doing what I'm doing. I think he was. <laughs> under i think he was under another name i think he was yes. under, he assumed a different identity uh you know for obvious reasons but um yeah that, that was nice to see too yeah. so one last thing which we're only going to very briefly discuss is vifum 13 which is a 26 episode tv series that was released in 1998 and uh, this obviously was not directed by takayuki kanda because he was already dead by this point Mm -hmm. so very strange sort of setup it's not a sequel it's not a prequel it's not a reboot it actually is an interquel that takes place during the show and this is on their journey in space this is after they lose kate but before they get to tout 
So we have a couple of arcs here, and the first episode starts off, and I've I've only um, skimmed this because it's not subtitled, but I skimmed this for the purpose of making the mecha listings on MHQ. Mm-hmm. They have a pretty rough understanding of what's going on. So the first episode is a very quick catch-up of everything on Clayad and Berwick, all in one episode. Wow. But also showing you uh, some scenes that you never saw before, like Bart's on Berwick, getting separated from his family. Nice. Uh, Jimmy and Kachue on the space station before we meet them. Mm-hmm. And cool. it's a little weird because they mix in footage from 1983 <laughs> with the new footage from 1998. Mm-hmm. But it's not so weird because the character designs and the mecha designs are identical to the 83 show. They didn't change anything at all. So, that's cool. so yes, there you can tell the transition from old to new scenes, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not anywhere near as jarring as, say, the Zeta movies, where it was yeah. so obvious, not just because it was really pretty new animation, but also because the character designs looked kind of different. Yeah. Hey, did we have any transitions of Skull to Ape to Caveman to Roddy? <laughs> no, we did not. Damn. There was, there was none of that. And they even kept... Um, the opening theme, the music of it, mm-hmm. but the uh, song itself was changed with new lyrics. Nice. So the first arc, it involves them having several entanglements with a uh, Kuktonian guy named Luludo because they find um, these two little kids in space who turn out to be his babies, oh. and he's been trying to get them back. Then once they finally sort it out, they uh, he goes peacefully along his way, and uh, actually some new mecha get introduced on the Kuktonian side. Oh, nice. Um, There's sort of a filler arc after this, and then there's an arc where they um, go down to some planet and they're hanging out with old people. I have really no idea what's going on there. So (laughs) um, not much more to say about the show because I haven't seen it in its entirety since it's, uh, again, not sub. Hopefully one day it will be. Mm -hmm. Is that a hope injury? Not necessarily. <laughs> okay. It is cool to see all of the mecha in newer animation, and they still look just as good. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, in skinning through the episodes, I get the feeling that the show is rather inconsequential. It sort of feels like a 26-episode filler arc from a really long shonen show like One Piece or Dragon Ball, like something that's totally inconsequential, has no effect on the plot, because in this case, being an insertion, can't have any effect on the plot. Yeah. so if you like watching things raw maybe check it out but i can't really recommend it raw Mm -hmm. so maybe one day it uh, it will be subtitled and maybe we'll come back and cover it but for now i think we should wrap up and um give some ratings to the the tv show so silver what do you give vifum overall (laughs) overall um the, the parts that i did watch um i would definitely rate this uh four poorly hidden porno mags out of five. <laughs> oh, those poorly hidden porno mags. Oh so much God. trouble for Scott. We never mentioned it once during the interview, but I, I, I have to say this show was mad real on what happens to young teenage boys when they come across some porno mags and some alcohol. Um, there's some underage drinking in here. I haven't seen as much underage drinking in anime um, uh, since uh, Here is Greenwood. High school. So. <laughs> so it's it was it was cool to see that in anime. It's it's kind of like a product of an anime of another time. This type this type of shit you'll never see again, except for maybe in an anime movie or an yeah, anime it's from the series. It's from the eighties, man. Characters smoking, 
freaking uh, <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's it was it was pretty awesome to see the teenage kids doing teenage things in this show and uh uh one last note i love the intro to this show um it sounds like the japanese version of the pet shop boys um it's from a band called tao and i always always throughout the whole course of the series let the uh the theme song rock i thought it was a a pretty catchy theme song but um it is a a very great theme song indeed so neo you neo your thoughts in final ratings uh for the television show for all of yes. it. yes <laughs> well you guys just did, you just did the television show oh okay sorry well uh for the television show i will give it three and a half jimmy harmonica solos out of five <laughs> little slow in the beginning um you know some things that built up there were there there seemed you know the only issues why i gave it a little bit lower than soul bro is i think some of the episodes could have moved a little bit you know further but mm-hmm. hey you know that that's about the only real complaint that i have it just seems sometimes some some stories were a little drawn out so there you go all right i will series. give I will give the TV show four out of five Kate bath scenes. <laughs> Indeed, I, I, I second that. <laughs> and just to quickly throw it out there, uh, the third OVA, I give it a three, and the fourth, uh, I'll give it a four. Gentlemen? I, I, I actually agree with you. Um, th- uh, episode or OVA three definitely gets uh, three birthday parties out of five, <laughs> and episode four, four... PTSD tra- uh, trauma sessions out of five. There you go. <laughs> for for the, uh, the 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 OVA uh, featuring Scott, uh, the third one, I would give it a uh, three perverted Scots out of five. Oh yeah. <laughs> and for the uh, the final OVA, uh, Kate's memories, um, I I would also give that uh, four uh, four painful flashbacks out of five. Mm. <laughs> That's my rating, sir. All right, and uh, I think that'll wrap it up for us. And the uh, lesson here is check out Vifem. It's good old classic mecha. If you like classic mecha, as we've discussed many times mm-hmm. before, definitely add this one to your list for consuming. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Debate is over. You will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology. You will kowtow. You will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get me. Get used to it. It's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline, then Gun- damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd-ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? sure you are so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again 
Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning... In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the f*** Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You're listening to episode 135. And in this episode, our extended segment, which we just had one today, but in our extended segment, we discussed Round Vernian Vipham, the uh, mecha anime series from Sunrise, uh, produced in 1983 and directed by Takeyuki Kanda. Um, if you guys haven't watched the show, please check it out. Um, I, if anything, uh, it's not officially available, but you guys know what to do. <laughs> well, you forgot the other parts to it, too. What's that? Um, oh, the yeah. The OVAs, yes, yes, one, two, three, and four. Well, I was talking we about it all those. as the yeah. royal whole. But yes, uh, there was, we discussed the television series, and we discussed OVA 3 and OVA 4, um, as you guys probably well, remember. one and two, we uh, just said. One and two, we did, gloss, we did gloss over, <laughs> but the, we did talk about those as well. So the OVAs, the OVAs in the TV series. And uh, thank you guys for listening to that review. And before we close out this episode, you guys know what time it is. You've been waiting for this for so long it is the mailbag take it away chris all right well we take your voicemails at 305-792-8324 but we have none so we'll just move on to the regular mailbag which you can drop a question for in the thread on mechatalk.net so our first question comes from zero the masked knight who says hi goddamn crew i've been thinking about episodes five to seven of 0083 long story short or rather, long story long. Episode 5 and 6 would be Ko's darkest hour. He gets the Gundam totaled, falls into a depression, and with Kelly's help, he bounces back. In the very next episode, Ko chickens out and asking Nina to the movies. I really don't like Nina, but in this case, and only this case, and in this context, I think Nina's perfectly justified in acting towards him the way she did. What bothers me is this. Asking someone out should be trivial after nearly getting killed and going through a depression the way Ko did. Since Stardust is usually compared to Top Gun, let's look at that. Maverick's darkest hour has to do with Goose getting killed and him dealing with survivor's guilt. Mm -hmm. He manages to bounce back and has no problem in getting together with his love interest at the end. In the next-gen review in Chaos Theater, Chris and Pedro described how Picard surviving a stab into the heart 
set him on his path for the rest of his life. It seriously bothers me that Ko, who should have grown up after his darkest hour, snaps back in the very next episode. Episodes 6 and 7 are fine as individual episodes, but when viewed in that order, I just find them jarring. If the incident in 7 happened before 6, I would have no problem and would see Nina's actions differently. I'm not sure if it's a problem with Ko as a character or has to do with how the series was written as a whole. What do you guys think? <laughs> well, for starters, I, I can never agree with any justification for Nina's actions because she's just a horrible person. <laughs> I mean, she sees what Ko is trying to do, and when he stumbles, just becomes instantly even more spiteful. Right. So given what happens to Ko and the comparison with Picard, I don't know if I'd agree with the statement that uh, that's his darkest hour because he seems to get over it uh, pretty easily by just deciding to fix some stupid mobile armor with an enemy pilot. Mm-hmm. And just because you survive one thing doesn't necessarily mean it will always change your life with everything. It's true. I mean, facing the prospect of being dead when you see a knife protruding from your heart is very different from just being a little whiny punk who's like, oh, I trashed the gun, so blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then he doesn't like carrots. <laughs> carrots are bad, blah, blah, blah. So... I don't really see that as being comparable to uh, Top Gun or to Next Gen. So I think it's just a reflection of Ko as the typical wimpy Japanese male who's awkward with women. Yeah, It's a very common trope in anime, as we've seen many, many a time. I mean, honestly, um, I, I look at it this way. When, when it comes to OVAs, sometimes the this transition to story is not smooth between episodes because there's a delay in time between episodes, you know, between when one episode comes out and the next one comes out. And each episode could have a different writer, too. So they may have their idea on how they want to portray the character. If there's not kind of like a lead writer, which I'm sure there was on this, but a lead writer that's willing to do their job and make sure that tonally all the characters are sound, then, you know, you, you, you might get a better progression of code character and how how certain events would have changed him in later episodes but clearly that clearly that didn't happen in 0083 being where you saw where the uh character the direction that the characters went into i don't don't even think they had a clear direction on where the staff wanted to take the characters i really don't because that whole cluster f with the with the love triangle at the end of the series is is indicative of that (laughs) it's 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 it's, the the characters are written pretty unevenly when it comes to the main three characters in that show and it it doesn't surprise me that that happened i could see how it is jarring if you're banging out the series one episode after the next but um i know people probably who are watching it as the episodes came out probably didn't notice that all that much but um that's that's the way i look at it neil coast sucks and the The series is just written poorly, especially at the end. So. Hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, ba- I basically just said everything Solbro said, but in less time. Well, that, that's that's your talent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we have AJQ32, who says, Greeting Gundam Meisters. Mm-hmm. Which do you guys think would win in a battle? The petite mobile suit from Gundam or the Atlas mech from Mass Effect 3? Ooh. I gotta go. I don't the Atlas think that's Max. much of a challenge. I yeah. think it's the Atlas Max. Yeah, I think it's just a step on the <laughs> just step on the petite mobile suit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I recuse myself because I don't know what the Atlas Mech is. I never played Mass Effect Three, so um, I don't know. Is Ted Cruz really the Emperor in disguise? <laughs> no, because no, he's too stupid and doesn't have any real power. That was my answer <laughs> as well. Yeah, he's he's, he's controlled by um, the. The, the real-life version of those two old guys in the Muppets, the Koch brothers. Statler and Waldorf basically are analogs for the Koch brothers. <laughs> well, yeah. 
That makes a certain amount of sense. Yes. <laughs> Look at all those poor people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Tea party. <laughs> Atlas shrug and ran. No, no, no. Libertarians. <laughs> okay, there you have it. <laughs> In Gundam Double O, when the Gundam Thrones are introduced, could that be part? Could that part of the show be nicknamed the Game of Thrones Saga? Oh, sure, why not? I'll allow it, man. And guess who won the game? Ali. Es- especially <laughs> since Nana uh, gave Louise a red wedding. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh man! There and freaking yeah, and Ali came up and shot what's his face in the heart. Yeah, like so cold blooded. And someone so. had someone had to win the Game of Thrones in that show. It was Ali. The only, the only downside, there's no midget. So. Oh, damn. Just saying. Oh, well. With Breakblade manga still ongoing, do you think they'll make more OVA movies based on it, or have they officially stopped at six and no more to come? As far as I've heard, there have been no announcements, but the manga is moving pretty slow, so uh, who knows, maybe in a few years. I'd love to see more. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, he closes with a statement that I think, Neo, you'll enjoy greatly and should be... Um, the, the prayer to open and close all Sir Bay-related news. Oh. May Michael Bay blow up your day. <laughs> I like that. I think May you Michael should use Michael Bay that. blow up your day. I, I, I'll, I'll change it just a tad. May Sir Bay blow up your day. There you go. <laughs> I like that. That'll be, on the, that'll be on the currency after we have the, the reconstruction after the robot apocalypse. <laughs> all right. We'll Next wait. we have Australian criminal Mula Flaga. Ooh who says, the scenario of Pacific Rim plays out for real, a.k.a. Kaiju come to our universe. Here's the twist. We don't have Jaegers, but we have wormhole-slash-dimensional-rip technology. You're allowed to recruit four to six super robots to defend the Earth in place of the Jaegers. What would you select for this monumental task to stop the Kaiju? Real robots are not up to the task of Kaiju slaying. Oh, boy, you just slammed all real robots. Dang. Note, if you select a certain series, you would get the supporting mechs as extra ranks. For instance, Godaner gets all four to six supporting units. Gravion gets God Sigma Gravion. Shin Steel G gets the the original G, and so on. Nice, nice. All right, uh, I'll, I'll throw out some. Uh, let's go with uh, Genesic Gal Gigar. Nice, oh, for starters, because why not? Took it, yeah. man. Shit. And you get all the supporting mechs. <laughs> yeah, so. I'll throw in Dagwon because why not? Mm, Dagwon's mm-hmm. cool. Um, Gurren Lagan. Yes. Oh yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And just because it'd be interesting, punching and destroying and slashing uh, Ideon. Oh shit! That straddles that line of super very closely, yeah. and more towards super. Yeah. So that's that's my team. But that's, it's gonna win regardless. <laughs> also, yeah. Moonlight Butterfly. They, oh damn! That's <laughs> not Super Robot. Oh man, it's Real close enough. Robot. Depends depends who you ask. It's not Coliseum. He didn't establish these are Coliseum rules. Nice. Um, yeah, of course, Gal Gygar. But yeah, I, I'd pick the Gravion. That'd be that'd be a, a nice one to have. Of course, you have to do the original Maz and Kaiser. Damn it! <laughs> Got to bring that in. And hmm, the last one is search uh, You know what? I'll uh, I'll bring in uh, Zambot. Zambot three. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. May, 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 uh, too bad uh, the the human bombs aren't supporting because that would probably work pretty well against Kaiju. So. God dang it. <laughs> Just saying. Nice. Um, I would then, because you guys named off the shit ton I would have named, but uh, Geki Ganger three, um, easily, even though that's a <laughs> okay. there's a show within the show, but uh, I'll still I'll I'll still allow it since it is a super robot, and uh, I'll, I'll go for uh, what someone that Mulafaga would love to see, and that's Voltron or Golion. I would say I'd, I'd I'd bring them in as a as as a as a dark horse 
in the mix, just uh, just so he'll uh, have uh, have his 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 special moment here in this episode. But those are the two I'd pick. You don't want to do two more. He said four to six. So four to six, but you already named off like five or six of what I would have named. Big oh, you O. Can, you can you can you the can big grab O. Them. <laughs> Okay. How about that? Um, outside of that, um, the ones that you guys name, like uh, uh, Gal Gygar, I would have that been first on my list, and then the Gurren Lagong would also have been top of my list as well, and the Mazen Kaiser, which was the first thing that was on my list. I was going to say so. Those are the other ones. All right. Next we have Yahtzee eighty eight. There's a couple of questions. Number mm-hmm. one: With the new Extreme versus Full Boost coming out next year for the PS3, what new suits would you like to see featured in the game that hasn't been in any of the previous entries? What signature super move would you give them as a burst attack? I'd love to see Sarek's custom clanch as he was all, the only good aspect of the third generation of age. Not a bad pick. Um, Personally, I would love to see, uh, I've been saying this for a while, but the Savior Gundam, man. And this super would be transformation spam. <laughs> Transform so much you confuse your uh, you confuse your opponent and then and then and then knock him silly. Is That's that right. what you do? You transform so much that the bullets can't hit you. Is he a, <laughs> is he a robot? Is he a plane? Is he a robot? Is he? I, I don't know what to do. It's an invincibility move. That's what it is. And uh, that's that that's my choice right off the bat. <laughs> All right, Neo Bear Guy. Oh, look at you. And super attack would be cuteness. Oh, the bear hug. Bear hug. Yes. <laughs> There you go. And uh, I'll throw in H2, the original. Oh, nice. Because I, I like that suit. And it's uh, Super Attack will just be screaming, Zehato! <laughs> over and over again <laughs> until uh, it bores the enemy to death. <laughs> 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 or the operator. <laughs> that too. The player just walks away from the game. <laughs> Number two. If you could swap any mecha to suit a pilot's style, who and what mecha would suit them best? I personally think a Sutherland or a VF-1 Valkyrie would suit Chirico very well, given his style of fast-speed combat with guns blazing. Maybe give Camille any mech that has a bayonet. Give at least three examples. Okay, first of all, this this is not some test we're taking for you in school, so (laughs) we do what we want. You get one example. That's it. That's all you get. So, Sobro, your example. This is awesome. Uh, Domon Kashu in, in the uh, Gurren Lagan. I'd love to see it, man. That guy's so hot-blooded, man. He would take that to the next level. He would. All right. Neo? Um, going to say... Crap. I don't know. <laughs> Amaro in something, man? Maybe. Um, Maybe Char. Yeah, you know what? I would like to see Char in the ARC 78-2. Oh, shit. I, I, would, I, would, I would love to just see what he could do with that suit. Yeah, that's my no. thing. I got the one that you should have said, given your long-running feud with this particular suit and its pilot. Oh, oh, Luna Maria Hawk and the pink Zako, and it blows up. <laughs> no, that was on the tip of my tongue. No, you should have put Char in the. Um, oh, the the yeah, her the Gunner Zaku warrior, so he could redeem yeah. it. That's true. That bring, is true. Bring that the honor too. back, man. Yes, <laughs> that's the honorable mention. Thank you. I I gave you at least two, Yazi. Man, there you go. All right, for me, I'm going to go with uh, Domon's daughter, Colin, and put her in her oh. daddy's suit and see how she does in the God Gundam. Oh, wow. Oh. Nice. Not bad. Especially how she reacts to having the uh, the suit put on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a nice selection. Number three, have you guys ever played the PS2 game Zionic Front? If so, what are your thoughts and opinions on this game? I own it and have enjoyed the game quite a bit, although it was quite difficult. I have not. Uh, there was played. a time where I actually owned all the Gundam games for PS2. At one point, and I did have Zionic Front. I never played it all that much because 
I know it had a more strategic aspect to it, but I was uh, trying to go through the other. Uh, you mean strategery. Strategery, man. Strategery. But I, I like the fact that it did focus on uh, Zionic characters and, and the aspect of the uh, the one year war that um, that you normally didn't get to see. So uh, I wish I played it more before I traded it back in, but uh, I did have it at one time. Yeah. Yeah, I had it too, and I didn't play too much of it either because pretty much for the same reason. So I just threw it up on eBay. Oh, damn. All right. <laughs> Made a nice profit on it. Liquidate. <laughs> and the last question, Chris and maybe Silver and Neo, given that you've seen the anime Heroic Age, would you also describe Bellcross as Shark Face Space Hulk? Remember, <laughs> he isn't the anti-Hulk. Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen Heroic Age, so I can't answer. Yeah, I haven't seen either. I'll uh, I'll go with um, with that assessment. All right. <laughs> Next, we have Furious Ronimus, who says, Are there any types of Gundam slash mecha merchandise that you wish would be made, like a tactical tabletop war game, etc.? Are there any types of Gundam slash mecha merchandise that you wish hadn't been made? Oh, I know what Chris is going to say. Which, which Black Belt Sam jumps in afterwards to say, Pundum. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Beat you to the cut you to the quick, man. <laughs> I think Pundum's amazing. <laughs> I, I I mean even Pundum I'm okay with. Um as for uh I can't really think of too much merchandise that has been made that I wouldn't have a problem with. I'm sure there's maybe the the Gundam condom, that's the merchandise I wish hadn't been made because I've seen I've seen images of those and they look ridiculous. But um what I've always wanted from not only Gundam but also from Code Geass is a version of Risk. That um is of the one year war or a version of risk that is of uh the the Britannian war that I, I love risk personally, so I would love to have a, a a variant of that game that that um takes those universes and puts them into uh, a game of risk. I would love that shit so that's what I'd like to see. The merchandise I would like is just a scaled down version of a mobile suit that you could buy like at a local car dealership. <laughs> And Safe for driving. <laughs> yeah, just to take it to work or something for the weekends. There you go. Go up the coast, you know. Run <laughs> <laughs> over some people. Um, in terms of types that that I wish I haven't been made, I don't know because some of the stuff, even though a lot of it's shocking, it's still just funny, especially like Pundum. Mm-hmm. But don't really have too much more on that. There. Well, Punham's on my list. Uh, something that I would huh. like to see made that'd be kind of cool to have is a uh, Gilgamesh pilot suit because they're so oh. creepy being all blood red, especially those helmets. Yeah. Just be, yeah. like walking around, creeping people out wearing that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that'd be nice. That'd be pretty cool. Next, we have Yokozuna Bulldozer who says, Hello. Huh. Number one, in J. Decker, I have noticed a couple of subtle pop culture references. Specifically, Deckard and McCrane both seem like they're named after the protagonists from Blade Runner and Die Hard, Deckard and John McClane, while all four of the Scotland Yard Brave Police, or SYBP as I like to call it, are named after the Beatles. Hmm. Likewise, can you remember... Any examples of how pop culture references were used in a similar fashion? One trivial tidbit about the SYBP is that they are repaints of the diver team from Might Game, which aired a year before Jay Decker. I mean, it happens a lot. all yeah. of the time, so we're not going to name a yeah. zillion examples, but one that comes off the top of my head is Bubblegum Crisis, where you have Pris, who, a uh, very obvious name check to Pris from Blade Runner, and uh, her band, The Replicants. <laughs> which is also a name check on Blade Runner, or depending on the scene, Replicants. Replicants. Yes. 
Yeah, Are you a ripper can? I'm a ripper can't. <laughs> or another thing that um, you see in Urusai Yatsuda 2, Beautiful Dreamer, the movie, there's a school fair, and it being 1982, you can see in the background, a uh, in one shot, a Darth Vader-looking character, and I believe somewhere else, a 3PO-looking character. Mm-hmm. That's true. The dumbest thing I can think of right now at the moment, because uh, I'm just warning you ahead of time, is not even the mecha anime. Um, I, one of the things that always stands out to me is the appearance of uh, Colonel Sanders in Project Echo. Why? <laughs> Japan loves KFC. Oh, no, you know what's dude. weirder than that? Mm-hmm. Colonel Sanders showing up in the Slayers. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, hell, also in Chobits. It's like, yo, this guy's popular, apparently. <laughs> But they well, have they, KFC Japan on Christmas. KFC, they mean. do. They have it for Christmas, man. That's like the the official yep. Christmas meal. <laughs> All right, I got one that's off uh, Michael Schumacher and Yakitate. <laughs> Just freaking hilarious. And I think I believe that show's got a lot of pop culture and uh, reference in it. Dude, too. Brad don't forget Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is a yes, regular f- in fixture in that yes. show. <laughs> yeah, that's that that show's amazing. It is the best. So. <laughs> And uh, number two, if Eldrin, a.k.a. Space Exhibit from Raijino, <laughs> Genba Ruger, Gozaro, and Daitai-O had his own grade school makeover show, what would it be called and how would each episode play out? <laughs> I have no idea. I can't, I can't even begin to, to, to imagine that. <laughs> Anybody else? No? No. Yes? no, no, Good. no. Number two, Good. I mean number three. In the spirit of build fighters, describe to us the age one DK custom in all of its glory. No this was all you, Soul Bro. Oh boy, I, I can see why you called it the slip though of number two. You must have read ahead seeing the DK. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, first it would have. I'll a, show them uh, I can pilot it too. <laughs> well, apparently DK has some. Uh, he has he has some irritable bowel syndrome, so uh, there would definitely be a bidet in there. Oops. <laughs> Oops, I did it again. Oopsie, I did a poopsie. There would be a built-in bidet in the pilot seat. Um, The age one, his custom would be Dookie Green. (laughs) Every shade of it. And um, that's all I know. Its special attack would be run and hide. And it would would run off of methane. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Straight from DK's behind. So that's what's up. And then we pass it down to his daughter. <laughs> so she could carry on the tradition. But uh that's that's uh, my uh, idea for the uh the DK age the DK custom age one and uh, hopefully we'll see them build fighters this season. Yeah. <laughs> or a second season. Oh, maybe, maybe. More more of a second season thing. And next we have Zero the Mass Knight who says number one, the iconic sound effects in mecha slash sci fi and visual media I know of are Godzilla's Roar. The new type flash, the sounds of a lightsaber, Darth Vader's breath, and the TIE fighter roar. Do you guys know of any other iconic sound effects from Mecha Sci-Fi slash Mecha slash Sci-Fi, where they come from, and if possible, how they became so iconic? Ooh, I got one. Well, I'll throw one out there that's been used in um, Star Wars and Indiana Jones all the time, but uh, has been used in many, 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 many other things before and since, and that is, of course, the famous Wilhelm scream. Of course. I hear, I thought I heard that during Thor. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure I heard it too. I'm so, and mm-hmm. if you don't know what the Wilhelm scream is, it's a uh, very iconic stock sound effect of like a guy screaming like, oh, 
<laughs> yeah. And I think it came from a movie where a guy was being like eaten by an alligator or mm-hmm. something, and uh, a very well-known um, thing. And what really brought it to attention was that uh, George Lucas would use it in every Lucasfilm movie, yes. and it gets used in video games, it gets used in cartoons, it gets used in... Um, Pretty much everything. So you, you can hear it pretty regularly. So uh, Google kinda it if you don't kinda, know what it is. Kind of like his use of the screen white from... Uh, yeah, that that's George true. Does here. Kurosawa. Does, yeah, Kurosawa. This Kurosawa screen wipe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I got one. Mm-hmm. The um, the Battlestar Galactica Cylon. The yeah. thing. That, that one. Because that, that was from the original show too, right? It yeah, didn't it change that. that yeah, so, yeah. I know the the one that comes to mind for me is the uh, the sound of the transporter in, in Star Trek. I know that from anywhere. Oh, yeah. That is uh that that I don't think that sound effect has really changed all that much since the uh, the first se- series. So um, there's been slight variations, but it's pretty much the same thing. And but it's now improved with lens flare. Oh boy! <laughs> and now in Dolby Digital. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to hear that sound of the lightsaber when it's. Matched with that amazing uh, lightsaber lens flare. Bring Can't your, wait for that. Folks. Bring your sunglasses to the theater. <laughs> Twenty fifteen. <laughs> dial your dial your expectations down, folks. Oh damn! Just saying. You, you hear that, J.J. Abrams? That's a challenge from Neo. Make that movie the dopest movie on the planet. We'll see you in 2015, buddy. Won't won't happen. <laughs> And number two, what is your favorite space fleet battle? Of course, the fleet battle is the battle as a whole. The engagements between the support craft as well as the ship-to-ship combat, since the former is as important as the latter. Mine would have to be the Battle of Coruscant in the Yuuzhan Vong War, depicted in the Star Wars Expanded Universe novel Star by Star. Mm-hmm. It starts off as your typical Star Wars dogfight with the Jedi in their X-Wings leading a daring strike on the Yuuzhan Vong Yamask. The pacing is fast and the tension is high. The Jedi complete their mission. New Republic fleet meets up with the Vong fleet and the battle proper begins. The pace then slows down, but the intensity of the battle remains high and you really get the feel the New Republic is slowly losing the battle. You get to see the battle from different perspectives, from Han and Leia's apartment and from the New Republic Senate, which is shown to be slowly disintegrated, disintegrating. You also get to see the really high stakes as the author depicts the panic happening on Coruscant's surface when it becomes clear that not everyone can escape and anyone stuck behind is doomed at the hands of the Vong. For similar reasons, I also like the final battle in 0083 and the first Axis battle in Char's counterattack. What about you guys? Man, I know that one comes to mind and is probably stealing it from Chris, but uh, the Battle of Wolf 359 um, at the beginning of Star Trek D Space Nine and also in uh, um, also in Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, that, well, you really can't count Next Generation because we never actually saw the yeah, battle. Yeah, we heard about it more so, and the Enterprise got there way too aftermath, late. Aftermath, right? Yeah, the yeah. aftermath. But um, in D Space Nine, that's such a jarring opening to that series. The part that always gets me so much, besides uh, Cisco losing his wife, is when they're in that escape pod and when it takes off from the ship and you see it from his perspective inside the ship as the ship in the background is getting ready to explode and 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 destruct that to me it's it's such it's such a driving force in that man's life and and they did a great job at um at uh 
depicting that at the beginning of the series. It's, uh, it, it makes the show hit the ground running, and it, it almost doesn't stop. So shout out to Deep Space Nine. That's that's mine. All right, that's that's a good one. I, I might have picked that one. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that I enjoy that's um, rather brief, but still just a really good space battle is the opening battle against the Borg in First Contact. Ooh, yes. And you actually get to see the Enterprise E kick some butt. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And the Defiant have uh, its moment on the big screen. Oh, yes. Which was so cool back then since it was just, you know, a little ship from DS9 and it got to shine on the big screen, even if just for a single moment. Right. Uh, i also throw in the um, Battle from Return of the Jedi. Oh, shit. It's a good space battle. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of uh, Lucasfilm at their best with uh, model work, building on yeah. everything they learned from the first two movies. We got to see Billy D do his thing. <laughs> Finally, finally, Lando plus, got to save the day. Plus, uh, you know, uh, Wedge kicking more butt, so that's always a good thing. Very true. Mm-hmm. Neil? Uh, one I like is the opening space battle of um, Legend of Galactic Heroes, where we get to see uh, Wang when he gets to become... I forget what his nickname was, but when he, when they, when they he uses, what is it, the solar flares to get out of the way of um, the... Uh, the Empire's battle there. That was pretty cool. I, I, I like that because that really kind of brought the, you know, kicked the show off and it really showed not only do you win with just massively lot numbers of people and machines, but using some strategy and, and a little bit of luck on your side too. So definitely like that. Of course, as it's going to classical music, how much? I mean, I knew one of us was going to mention that show. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that battle's cool though. That, that's a yes. really cool battle. I mean, there's some great battles throughout that whole show, especially the countless ones uh, to what is it? Is it Iserlon, the uh, the me- the liquid metal planet? You know, you yes. get a lot of different ones with that too. But I just like that first one because it really sets the stage, especially you know with the the slacker uh, the slacker officer like uh, like Wang. But um, the only I can't really think because the other ones I I, can, I definitely agree with you guys with yeah the Return of Jedi one was really good. Uh, I think that's about it I can think of right now. So cool. I mean, an honorable mention for me is the uh, the the battle for Earth in uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, where the SDF one makes his last stand against the Zentradi fleet, and uh, teams up with uh, Britai in order to uh, to do damage to Dole's fleet. Man, that's that's a pretty epic battle, and especially with Minmay um, ripping up the mic in the background. Man, it was uh, it, it definitely got me on my feet as a kid. So that's my I, own honorable mention right there. Uh, I also like the the I guess what the battle of grips the final battle of yeah. Zeta Gundam outside of all of you know just the whole thing within it you know it's not really much of a fleet battle when it's just uh, yeah. the Argama and the Radish and they lose the Radish oh, wow. kind of <laughs> I guess more yeah not as much of a fleet battle I will also uh, give honorable mention to um, the final battle in Macross Frontier the TV yeah. version not the movie version because uh, even though the second Frontier movie brought in like all of these different Macross quarters just doesn't compare to seeing, um, you know, uh, the frontier and the galaxy beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta agree. And we are going to, uh, close up the mailbag with, uh, this is, this is rare with two corrections and complaints. Both of them aimed at Neo. Oh shit. Uh, what I do? Oh, you're going to find out first. Yes. We have EA net dude who says, dear Neo, you suck. Oh, no. You are the Steve Ducey of news journalists. Damn. In, epi- in episode 132, 
you said that I had posted the wrong source for a survey news alert. If you had actually read the article, you would have seen the ninth sentence state, besides Beverly Hills Cop 4, sources tell Variety that Bruckheimer is helping to develop the script for Bad Boys 3 while he is still pursuing Top Gun 2 as long as deals with talent can close. Good day, sir. Well, see, you assume that I read these articles. I don't. <laughs> I skim them. And secondly... The, the, the Larry King School of Preparation don't... Exactly. Don't Today don't is the research. King's birthday. Today is Lord, Lord King's birthday. And yes, I just look at them, skim them. Yeah, okay, some things get mis, you know, misinterpreted, maybe switched around, things like that. But hey, that's, it's all for the sake of the news. It's all for spontaneity. And secondly, who is Steve Ducey? He, he's on... He's a, He's a douche who's on uh, Fox. Fox oh, News. Um, he's on the Fox, Fox News on Fox and Friends. Fox and Friends. Yeah, that shit that comes on in the morning. He's he's a Man, watch he's that. a moron's moron. That's a, that's a bridge too yeah. far, Elliot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know who this guy is, but from it sounds like, I mean, you call me ill-informed and all this other stuff, and mm-hmm. but d- yeah, don't call me this guy because he sounds pretty yeah, bad. Ducey is, Ducey is very douchey. Oh, indeed. Okay. Uh, I, and next we have Australian criminal Mula Flaga trying to step up. Oh, so oh. someone's got to put these criminals back in their place and, and put them in, uh, you know, isolation and, and cut yeah. his dessert rations. Beat him down. Cut though. his internet. Beat cut him his down. Internet. He says, we'll just... I will back you up on this as when Neo read my Transformers article in 132, he obviously did not read it properly. Otherwise, he would not have needed Solbro to correct him. Soon after, when Vent Noir posted about Extreme versus Full Boost coming to PS3, he got it confused with the arcade info and got him Extreme versus Neo... Your title is still sticking with you, buddy. It sticks like glue. Oh, what title is that? Awesome? No, I mean... <laughs> yeah, on that, once again, previously, like I just said to the previous poster, you assume that I'm reading these word for word and preparing beforehand, which I'm not. And secondly, when it comes to the extreme versus stuff, I'm not as knowledgeable as Soul Bro. So what you do as a responsible journalist is sometimes if you don't have the knowledge, you bring in experts. There you go. That's what I did. I brought in an expert, Solbro. So right. that's how we do it in the news biz, Mula Flaga. I got your back, bro. Internet denied. <laughs> back to the cooler with you. No dingo steaks on Friday. No dingo steaks? <laughs> Is that before or after they eat the babies? Oh. Yeah, the babies help uh, make that meat a little tender. So Makes them know. extra marbled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little juicier. So. That's the worst thing to come out of my mouth today. <laughs> mm, well. Oh, well, I guess that can be debated, huh? T- today. <laughs> yes, today. Yes, it's okay. Indeed. I, I do remember a certain young Asian boy. Oh, segment Jesus that Christ. Was... <laughs> Is that who you outsource your, uh, your, your uh, gun club building to, young I, Asian boys? You're giving me ideas, bro. <laughs> is is there is there a is there a factory next well, to Foxconn they, they have, called Solcon? And they're usually chained up so they can't get away. <laughs> do, do you have a massive factory next to Foxconn called Solcon? Solcon that just makes endless amounts of gunpla to, to ship over to you and say, "Look at these things I made. I've made the entire mobile suit lineup of Gundam X and Tone." You give me you give me ideas, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm giving the listeners ideas to get <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear them the next time I watch a Build Fighters. 
Yeah, there you go. Woo! Awesome. Well, that will put an end to the log for this episode, so back to you, Solbro. Well, thank you very much, Chris. That was a rousing mailbag. And uh, before we close this episode out, any announcements or any um, last words you guys wanted to say uh, uh, before we take this home? Soylent Green is people. There you go. There you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. I didn't uh, do it in the proper thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got to say it in the context of the Garmin impression. <laughs> the only thing I have to say mm-hmm. is you're greedy and lazy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ralph Garmin. We're all part of the Garmin here. But uh, yeah, um, if anything, thank you, fellas, uh, for 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 um for for working on this great episode i just wanted to mention to everybody that this is the last new episode of gundam oh. this year oh i so. thought you said it was the last one i was like yes, oh, no. freedom. wow <laughs> <laughs> i am free this, this is the final new episode of gundam this year and in the next two episodes that you will be hearing um I'm, I'm gonna actually be doing something that people have been demanding for a while i used to put up uh videos on the gundam uh youtube page and i'll probably start doing it again sometime soon of uh outtakes of us just talking about random stuff in between uh, segments. So I've got a big collection of those moments, and I'll be putting together two special episodes in the month of December of us just 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 talking um, in between segments about things that we're watching, doing whatever, just whatever funny conversations we've had over the years. So um, be on the lookout for that. Um, ep- There'll be two specials in the month of December. So uh, hope you guys enjoy them. And then we'll be back with new episodes at the beginning of the year. And uh, I guess uh, we'll see you guys next year. (laughs) Well, to that, I only have one thing to say, which is, Mm -hmm. screw you guys, I'm going home. Ah! (laughs) See, there you go. Chris has already got the bags packed. But... uh... But yeah, that's that's definitely going to be happening. In the meantime, uh, look for more events like uh, EX versus the Gundam Nation, where we get online and play Gundam EX versus leading up to when Full Boost comes out at the end of uh, January. So um, if you guys don't have EX versus, then definitely get Full Boost when that comes out uh, for the PlayStation 3, because we'll be having uh, sessions on that, too. What about the PlayStation 4? I'm supposed to get that now. Oh, man, you're going to get the PS4, man? Well, shout out yeah, to why those... Why not? All right, I guess. All shout right, out to those who st- stood in the freezing cold to get that shit. <laughs> Neo's not doing that this time, but uh, are they easy yeah. to get nowadays? Yeah, on Amazon. Oh, they, they, yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize. I thought it would be going to be a hard, uh, hard system to acquire, being that uh, the PS3. I know Mr. Sony. Oh, you do, huh? All right. Yes, Mr. Sony Amigo, long ways back. Ten. I would like to get that Xbox though for the damn Forza. I, why? Why can't just one of these? Why can't we just have one? platform that plays all these games i know the developers have been wanting that for years (laughs) but it's let's push for that (laughs) it's never happening but uh in the meantime guys uh definitely check out these websites when you have time head on over to where the magic happens mahq.net visit there for reviews of many mecha related animes and manga series also join the conversation at mahq's official forums at mechatalk.net where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater. MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, 
Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Behold the power of Sony! Oh! Oh my god! It's so good. Look, it is I, your long lost Sony brother, and I've come to tell you, really man? Just Xbox 360 and PC reviews? Not cool! Joe, there's a whole world out there, including Sony's new console, the PS4. You gotta get it. You gotta do reviews for it. You're right. They need you, man! Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku Station and MAHQ.net joint. The Xbox One was made by jerks. Humanity's one absolute is mathematical logic, yet the Xbox naming system has zero logic. They went from Xbox, to Xbox 360, to Xbox One. Are they counting backward? Did something happen to the other 359 Xboxes? What could possibly be next? They've backed themselves into a place where there's no logic even left to defy. And still, their current price point defies all logic. It's $100 more expensive than PlayStation because each console includes a Kinect. <laughs> Kinect. The American people don't want to pay extra for a device that listens in on all their conversations. That's what the NSA is for. And the NSA is free. I understand the need for multiplayer games. 
I've played a little Maypole in my day. And I have to tell you, it offers something Call of Duty can't. Female players. Need a driving game like Forza 5? Try Hoopstick. It's more exciting. And if you think the war in Rise was unbelievable, why not try the Civil War? That war kept it real. Real young. You only needed to be 14 to play. What about the man originally responsible for the Xbox One, Don Matrick? He left Microsoft two months after the console was announced. Now he's running Zynga. Way to fail upwards, Donald. Can't wait to play Farmville 360 or Castleville 1. You, sir, are a butthole. <laughs>